Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 367. I am Pierre and rejoice because Connor's not here. Matt is though. Uh, yeah, welcome to the Nightmare Realm. We're, uh, we're still in Night Terrors. Uh, we are. We're about halfway through Night Terrors, give or take, uh, with this week. So we'll get into all that and whatnot. Uh, so DC Comics Podcast, we get together, we talk about the books we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have... Night Terrors, issue 2. Mm-hmm. Night Terrors, Detective Comics, issue 1. Night Terrors, Action Comics, issue 1. Night Terrors, Titans, issue 1. And this is where I have to ask Matt. Did you read Night Terrors, Angel Breaker? I did not. I was I, I was struggling to finish the Mark Waid Superman book you today. Weakling. So, yep. You weakling. Yep. Connor said you, you wouldn't do it, and you proved him right. Did did he now? Is that that's what he, I thought he said I would do it. No, he said you weren't man enough to read it. Oh yeah, well he's right. <laughs> put, put one in the put one in the column for Connor for once. Oh dear. Um, and then we have Superman: The Last Days of Lex Luthor, uh, issue one to to wrap up. So I was gonna say when I said I struggled reading it, it was it was just up against the clock. It wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I want I want to make that clear. Oh, of course. It was yes. It was. This is a. I shouldn't have left the fifty page book for last. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. So we'll get into all that. Um. I was going to do a Patreon book and then left it to next week because. Uh, next week's a very similar amount of books, but there's no oversized books, and we won't have solicits next week. So it just felt like a, a wiser spread of time. Smart. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into all the all the things and whatnot. And we kind of lucked out too because we didn't have Brave and the Bold, which I I knew I knew that we didn't have, but I forgot. So oh, yeah, just for anyone who doesn't know, actually, we should probably explain yeah. that because uh, mm-hmm. you're probably thinking that we were going to talk about the Tom yeah. King story in Brave and the Bold issue three. Uh, however, part three of that story is not in issue three of Brave and mm-hmm. the Bold. If I, I think I saw on Twitter that it's going to be issue five before that story's yep. back. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the book then was a collection of stories that were continuing parts of things that we hadn't read. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it was, it was just easy to just ignore it. Um, but we are not going to be skipping when Tom King and Mitch Garrett's story's back in it. Don't worry. Nope. So, uh, but yeah, so that is uh, that explains that. Yes, lots of things. Obviously, Comic-Con was last weekend. That was ongoing. I think all the big news did hit before we recorded, so, you know, nothing new. We do have solicits, of course. That's the other big thing we'll talk about uh, before we get to the the book discussions, of course. Uh, But I suppose I shall start this with a simple question. Matt, how was your week? It was good. It was just tiring. Um, Other than that, it was was decent. So how, how was yours? Yeah, it was okay. I was waking up early a lot this week, but um, I, for the first time in a few weeks, I actually got to watch just some random movies, just for, uh, nice. you know, watched a couple things on the Criterion channel. Uh, I got another couple lined up, which I'll, I'll probably not get to today or tomorrow because I've got, yeah. I'm just, I'm, you know, chock a block with recordings uh, today mm-hmm. and tomorrow. But uh, yeah, come Monday, I'll get back into it. Be playing video games, you know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's been a relatively decent week. And obviously Oppenheimer, I went to go see that and recorded the review of that. Yeah. Uh, which was Still. a two hours and 20 minute review uh, that we did on the collector's <laughs> cut. Way to, way to stay on bread. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's still shorter than the movie. We don't always fulfill that promise. I know. 
<laughs> Sometimes we go way over the length of the movie. It just so yeah. happens that this was a three-hour movie, so we'd have really had to have tried yeah. to to hit those numbers. Uh, so, so uh, I've I've been going off of people that I know that have seen it. Do I need to make a point to go see it? Oh yeah, go see it. It's it's okay. must see. It's uh, enjoy it as well because between that and Barbie and uh, the new Turtles movie, which is reviewing very well, by the way. Uh, Mm-hmm. It feels like after this couple of weekends that the movie-going experience is going to slow down a bit. <laughs> so yeah. I would re- enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's there because in a couple months' time and all you've got is The Nun 2, you'll be thanking me for telling you to go see a good movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we got a little clip for that when we went to see Haunted Mansion last night and Ash looked to me and she goes, they really made a sequel to that crappy movie? <laughs> uh, and that that's fire from her. She likes a lot of those bad Conjuring movies, you know, out of a, uh, not a comedic level, but an entertainment that they're so bad, but the nun really didn't do it for her. So, uh, yeah, very, very funny. Can't say I was particularly fond of the nun, although at least it was laughably bad in some places, which made it more entertaining than yes. Annabelle or Curse of La Llorona yep. or some of the other ones. There's been a lot of bad spinoffs to the Conjuring movies. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't even know it was getting a sequel until that came up. So, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Weird times ahead, especially with the strike looming and, you know, things are going to be mm-hmm. delayed and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Sony already delayed a bunch of stuff, and it's probably fairly likely that all the other studios are going to follow and spread out what they've got. It's, it's entirely possible that, um, you know, even, like, I don't know. It's probably too close to Blue Beetle. But, like, I could see the Marvels being pushed early next year just to spread mm-hmm. out what they've got over a bit yeah. more time. Uh, or Dune for Warner Brothers. But, obviously, if one of them moves first, the other probably won't because then they'll have November kind of to themselves. And right. that's appealing, I, I guess. So, yeah. it, it just kind of depends on who blinks. Well, I mean, they've already moved Marvels once, right? Cause that's, true. The, that's true. The whole fast food tie-in stuff that's out right now. And the movie's not out till November, so... Yeah, because there was a movie, yeah. there was a, an indie movie, I can't remember the name of it, but it was it was meant to come out in August and it got delayed to December. And it's already done, obviously, but the the hope is is that the strikes will be over by December so the cast can promote the movie. That's mm-hmm. maybe optimistic, I'm not sure. I could still see the strike going uh, to the yeah. end of the year. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, December wouldn't isn't unfeasible that it'll all be over by then, but... Right. Um, honestly, it's hard to say right now, but... Yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, uh, not that uh, this affects comics per se, just comic book movies potentially. But yeah. I did see people talking about get ready for these these writers. I guess like comics aren't part of the guild, so if they need money, I guess the last time a writer strike happened, mm. a lot of them ended up writing subpar comics because they're not comic writers, uh, but they're just big names. Mm. So um, yeah, so I guess be on the lookout for that if it goes long. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, so I don't know. I it's it, I don't know. It's just a weird time. But hey, you know what? Uh, there's a century of movies that I bet a lot of you haven't seen, like even twenty percent of. You've got tons of old movies that you could go check out. The, the backlogs are flowing. You, mm-hmm. you play to do. Uh, and of course, you can always read more comics. That's always an option too. So, True. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I did recommend Oppenheimer, so I'll just plug Collector's Cut, which is the uh, movie podcast that we reviewed it on. We're doing a Christopher Nolan season. We did Following and then Memento, and then obviously Oppenheimer just came out this weekend, uh, our review of that at the time of recording. 
So then um, you didn't go in chronological order. Well, we didn't, we, we didn't want to leave Oppenheimer to the end because it would be yeah. like several weeks after it came out. We, so it's, it's chronological order aside from that one. Um, gotcha. But we're taking a two-week break because we're doing the 2007 animated TMNT and then Mutant Mayhem when that mm-hmm. comes out. And then we'll be back to Nolan for uh, Insomnia, The Prestige, and Dunkirk. Uh, because all of the sci-fi and Batman movies, we've already done another show right. before. Right, of so, course. Uh, yeah, first first movie theater movie me and my wife went to was TMNT. So, oh, uh, there you go. It holds, it, holds, it holds a special place, plus... Chris Evans is Casey Jones, which, you know, she's a Chris Evans lady. And uh, so, who uh, voiced April O'Neil in that film, Matt? Um, I believe she was in I Know What She Did Last Summer. That's accurate, yes. Hmm? Uh, also but nothing had... else. I don't know her from anything else, though. <laughs> the, the, oh, she's married to Freddie Prinze Jr. She's also got a scene in the hit sequel Scream 2, I think you'll find. Yes, she, she does. And uh, she's the voice of, I think, the second sister on, on Rebels, I believe. Also, um, you may know from a hit television show, Buffy the Vampire there Slayer. Is. There you go. Uh, yeah. So no, um, it, yeah. yeah, we just recorded that uh, recently. It's uh, it, it was funny watching it now. Is the the CG from two thousand seven? It does look like a video game cutscene now. Yeah, like, like compared to like back then, so it is kind of weird. But uh, that's just time moving forward. Can't really do it. Yeah, but if I remember, the story is still pretty good. Like it's the, still a pretty decent Turtles The Turtles adventure. story between Leo and Raph is quite good. It's definitely yeah. the best part of the movie. The villain story, though, is a bit just whatever. Yeah, uh, Max, uh, what is it, Winters? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't feel like a prominent Turtles story. It, it almost felt they were saving the good stuff for a sequel that, that unfortunately didn't happen. That didn't happen, yeah. But oh well, it is what it but is. Yeah, but uh, Mutant Mayhem looks pretty good. It was getting, uh, we got the trailer last night and was yeah. getting good. It's reviewing, yeah, it's reviewing shock. It's at like ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It is. Well, that's the thing. Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer, No Mutant Mayhem are all in the nineties uh, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. There, there's been a very good few weeks for critically acclaimed cinema. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, go 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 see some movies. Support the good ones. Uh, yeah. Always worth doing. Um. And forget that Mattel want to ruin it by doing a Barbie shared universe with 15 other products, most of which I can't imagine what a movie would even be. Like, what is an Uno movie? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway, let's get into Matt's favorite part of the show. Yep. Our own cinematic universe, if you will. <laughs> God, the darkest timeline. The Comixology uh. Top 10, everyone. We'll be looking at Tuesday and Wednesday's uh, books and how they rank right now, uh, ranked on Comixology her sales mm-hmm. so um yeah well you got a guess for tuesday for dc's uh, day I'll, I'll throw out night terrors number two that is incorrect matt wow wow uh then is it last days of lex luther it is superman last days of lex luther yeah. issue one which obviously shows i think so it shows two things. I think the, the minor thing that it shows, and this we've seen this a lot recently, mm-hmm. is that Mark Wade books, at least digitally, seem to sell quite well compared to other yeah. DC books. Cool. Uh, always nice. The second thing it shows, though, is that maybe people aren't really that into Night Terrors mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. That well, may- I just went with Night Terrors first just because it's digital, and I know something like Last Days of Lex Luthor, I figured that'd be a bigger physical uh, deal. Like... You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it is going to be fine physically. Right. It, I, I think it just shows that the digital and physical audience, like, 
maybe there's mm-hmm. some who sort of dip their toes in both, but I feel like yeah. most people are either one or the other. There's no, yeah. you know, grand swings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it's just cool to see. Uh, number two is Night Terrors issue two. Number three is Batman Brave and the Bold issue three. Uh, which is cool. Uh, like I said, though, it, it's, it's a shame though because the, the cover looks like it is for the. That's why the I King must story. have forgotten that yeah. it wasn't in there because I opened it up to to read to it first, and I was like, "Wait, their names aren't here." Yep. And then yep. I, I promptly let you guys know on Tuesday morning. Yeah, and then, yeah. I think I saw know. on Twitter, uh, Garrod say that issue mm-hmm. five he, he thinks is where the next one is. But yep. he, you know, he basically said like, "No, they let them push it back a few issues, uh, like a regular delay, because they want it to be all his art and they want it to be up yeah. to." The, the high standard so up to the standard yes yeah. and that's fine they they have stories that you can throw in there to make up the page count you know i mean let's face it this this batman joker story is going to be a great hardcover when it's all mm-hmm. done on its own so yeah. uh um all right number four is night terrors titans issue one number five is night terrors action comics number six is night terrors detective <laughs> comics and then number seven is batman beyond neo-gothic Number eight is Night Terror's Harley Quinn. Number nine is Night Terror's Angel Breaker. And number 10 is DC Ruby. I guess congratulations to Angel Breaker that there just wasn't enough DC mm-hmm. books out to <laughs> bump it out of the top 10. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, as soon as we're out of the top 10, we're into uh, collections and stuff. Uh, you know, Batman the Knights there, uh, Crisis on Multiple Earths book, whatever number that's on now. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Wednesday though, you got a guess for Wednesday, Matt? I'm looking for a for the cheat code, and I'm not seeing anything come in with the first couple columns. Um, I'll go with. Let's see, do I go with Avenger? Nope, there it is. X Men Hellfire Gala, uh, number one. That is correct. Yeah, there. It I is. hate how consistent your cheat code seems to actually I know, work. I know. It's a market. Uh, what's it called? A market inefficiency. You know? Yeah. Uh, number two is Ultimate Invasion, issue two. Number mm-hmm. three is Invincible Iron Man, issue eight. Number four is Avengers, issue three. Number five is Wolverine, 35. Uh, number six is Incredible Hulk. Uh, number seven is Amazing Spider-Man. That's kind of weird, Amazing Spider-Man, but all the way down at seven underneath I, all these other books. I, I feel like there's been a whip or a backlash. Oh, on that book yeah there's been a lot of critiques of it recently obviously the mm-hmm. the, the miss marvel stuff was getting mm-hmm. a lot of flack online uh number eight she hulk issue 15 number nine berserker or berserker 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 how do you say it without vills it's not possible uh, berserker i mean yeah <laughs> berserker there you go berserker uh, berserker berserker uh number 10 is what if uh spider gwen or sorry, what if Dark <laughs> Spider Gwen? Uh, yeah. That's not a clunky title at all. Uh, so sadly, uh, nine out of ten were Marvel books. That's a little bit in the high side mm-hmm. for me. Uh, looking just outside the top ten, uh, there's a Power Rangers book at number thirteen, and then World Tree right after that, which is a James Tynan book. Uh, yeah, there you go. Not not a lot of super exciting stuff to report, but there you go. That's the. Uh, that's the uh, top 10. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll move on. Uh, just before we get to this list, I want to just mention, I did see on Twitter, uh, the artist for an upcoming issue of Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the one during the crossover for 
October or November. Batman? Yeah. Um, basically, I just tweeted out, and this seems like something they probably shouldn't have tweeted out because it probably Uh-oh. got them out of trouble. But they basically just said, oh, I just got the script in for this issue of Catwoman that I was meant to have six weeks for, but now I've only got three weeks. So this is why it'll only have stick figures, which... Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like they'll probably get into trouble for because you know it's shade on the company right. I mean I don't know if it's necessarily shade on the writer per se because I mean I don't know if it's the writer's fault necessarily especially since it's this it was... weird crossover thing going yeah. on with multiple writers collaborating but uh, certainly though like given some of the books that seem to have these like fill-in artists doing half the pages this doesn't surprise me that it happens from time to time they just don't announce it like this person did yes this is the only time that i feel like we get to know in advance oh this is probably going to have half the pages by someone else Uh, i uh i do think that it's funny that you're not naming names that this was tom king uh so you could give it, him six months and still be sick figures <laughs> so i'm saying he's just he's leading into it now uh-huh uh so i, I just thought it was worth mentioning um yeah so yeah i don't have the tweet in front of me so i, I can't name the uh the artist uh, but yeah i think it is it is a very funny joke though like it it got a good reaction from me oh sure you know oh yeah Anyway, we do have solicits uh, for October we're looking at, yes. Uh, So we got October solicits. Obviously, we talked about some of the things that were announced last week, but we'll go through them as always, give our thoughts on some covers or any details that might pop up that are worth mentioning. I've not looked at these, so I I like to just discover them as we go. Uh, So first up, we got Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, issue one, a.k.a. how Kong will lose like a bitch again. I I can't wait for Because Batman to affect Godzilla and watch your brain melt. No, no, no. See, that's a... That's a mano a mano showdown. I can accept nah. either winner in that scenario, right? That's nah, uh, I can respect either outcome. But what, what I love about this is that we're going to see Godzilla beat Kong. We're going to see Superman beat Kong. We're going to see Wonder Woman beat Kong. And then somehow, with the power of preparation, Batman is going to beat Kong's ass, and it's going to be glorious. No, no, no. And, and then he's going to turn on Godzilla, and he's going to have some, you know, nuclear blast suit, you know, kaiju... <laughs> battler well, thing that's the thing i yeah. actually am more interested in seeing how someone like batman tackles godzilla because godzilla does have rules like that because there is the mm-hmm. radiation there is you know there's, yeah. there's things to kind of explore but kong is just a big ape though like, yes. <laughs> like, that's really and, that's why, and that's why i love him what are they going to do find some giant bananas to lure him somewhere with uh- <laughs> hey man if he if he has his axe that was in the movie i think they need to watch out mm-hmm. godzilla doesn't use tools he doesn't have a higher functioning brain I agree, he's an idiot. <laughs> Godzilla? No, Kong. He's, he's, he's got a lizard brain. Oh, you're talking about Godzilla? I thought you were talking about Kong. Yeah. I, no, was just, no. I was just hearing what I wanted to hear, apparently. You, you were, because I said Godzilla doesn't use tools. He doesn't need tools, he's got atomic yeah. breath. Yeah, exactly. So Kong has an axe, and I'm just saying, he uses tools. He can also he's in the Stone Age. Godzilla can also swim, he's a very efficient swimmer. Kong, though, is like a video game character who, like, if he just dips his toes in water, that's it, he's dead. It's, well, that's based off of truth, really. I'm about to bore Pete because he doesn't care about real life stuff like this. But uh, the, the muscle mass on, on a gorilla is so dense as they sink. So they, they're not effective swimmers. 
Um, so that's why you don't see too many apes going the so close to water. That said, in Kong Skull Island, uh, that Kong wasn't, you know, adverse to, to fighting, you know, lake creatures or river creatures. So it shows yeah. it's not based in reality. That's all. Oh, I'm sorry. The the movie about the giant ape that's about the size of a, a 30 story building is not based in reality. <laughs> I guess not. Okay. So what what gets me about this book here though, like yes, it looks fun. I'm gonna read the hell out of it, but like what is a roar sound effects gate called variant or gatefold variant cover? Does that mean it's going to have the Godzilla roar when you open it? I think that's what it means. I think that you know the old the old kids' books where there's a little sound chip in it and you Let's go. Like even I'm a con guy, I much rather have the Godzilla sound when I Oh, open it's a much more book. iconic sound. Yeah. No, no, don't like deny that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that is really cool. There's a there's a Kong Roar sound one too, but that's besides I, mean, I, I just saw the prequel to Godzilla. It was called Oppenheimer. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not wrong. I'm, I'm, bang, not wrong. I'm, I'm bang accurate is what I am. All right, next up, Amazon's Attack issue one. Uh, this is Josie Campbell with Vasco Georgiev mm-hmm. on the art. Uh, we've got. Uh, what have we got here? We got Yara. We got uh, Mary Marvel. We got Nubia. Um, so we talked about this a bit last week. Uh, yeah. the, the fact that it's Josie Campbell and that Mary Marvel's on the team does obviously pique our interest, I think, a lot yeah. more than it otherwise might have been. Not to say that we can't enjoy just a Wonder Woman book, but I feel like there's been a lot of these like miniseries tied to Wonder Woman over the last year mm-hmm. or two, and they've all been kind of just like, eh, and skippable. Well, they've ran back Amazon Attack like four times since the original mm. that came out in the, the mid-2000s. Uh, it was written by Will Pfeiffer. So every time I see it, again, I'm just like, okay, we're doing this again. This, though, you put this team, uh, you know, Campbell and uh, Georgiev, and I'm, I'm, my interest is peaked. Yeah. Uh, Supergirl special we also talked about uh, a little bit. This is Marika Tamaki writing with Skylar Partridge on art. And, you know, it's funny. We were so excited about this that I don't think any of us even mentioned that Tamaki did being super so it's actually yeah. a return to Supergirl. I, no, I think that you did. I think that's what that was. Yeah, or Connor did. did. I remember. Remember hearing being super in there. Well, so. regardless, there's a reason to be excited. Hopefully, this leads mm-hmm. to some more Tamaki comics at DC. There's been a little break for DC since our Detective yeah. Comics stuff, so hopefully, this is uh, a, well, a bridge to more. And Supergirl's been, you know, she hasn't had a, a book really either. So yeah, that's uh, that's true. Hopefully, this uh, puts some feelers out. We got Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 20. Uh, Wade and Mora, as you'd yep. expect. Uh, is that... Uh, that's a lot of Kingdom Come-looking characters on that cover, Matt. Yeah, yeah, because they're talking about Boy Thunder. So we all know what universe he ends up in. The fact that he becomes Magog. Uh, so uh, curious to see how it, that plays into what Wade's been doing, considering he, he wrote Kingdom Come. Um... But yeah, Dan Mora doing that version, not, not which I'm so used to the Kingdom Come designs. Like we've seen them before, but they're so you know I associate Alex Ross with them. But seeing Dan Mora's take on them, it, they just you know they have a just a, a difference to them, and I can't explain it. You know. Yeah, oh, those, those, that, those shoulders on Batman are compensating for something. Look at the bloody things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then we got Batman City of Madness issue one. This is Christian mm-hmm. Ward writing and doing art. 
Uh, this is a, a three-issue prestige plus book. Uh, does it say black label? I'm assuming it's black label. I don't know if it's... If it's prestige plus, it, it usually is. It probably but... is, yeah. Uh, let's read that one. I don't know what this is. Let's have a look. Uh, mm-hmm. Buried deep beneath Gotham City, there exists another Gotham. The Gotham Below is a living nightmare populated by twisted mirrors of our Gotham Denzians. This sounds a little bit like the Upside Down, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, fueled by the fear and hatred flowing down from above. For decades, the doorway between the cities has been sealed. So it's, it's kind of like a magical... That's, that, see, I was going to criticize this a minute ago for like, well, this has been down there the whole time, but now it sounds like no, it's like a portal to another dimension almost That's underground. Been opened, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, but it's been guarded by the court owls. This this doorway. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but now the door swings wide, and the twisted version of Dark Knight is escaped to trap and to train a Robin of his own. Batman must form an uneasy alliance with the court and his deadly allies to stop him and to hold back the wave of twisted supervillains, nightmarish versions of his own nemesis, each one worse than the last that's spilling into his streets. You know what? I think if you told me there's an evil Batman running around and just pitched me that, I'd say, ah, I feel like we'd do that enough. Mm-hmm. This actually sounds quite interesting, though, to be honest. I'm kind of into this description. Well, and, and after the last Christian word drawn book, was that Aquaman? That's right. Um, oh, that was gorgeous. Yeah. Then that looked great, and he was doing some monstery stuff in there. Yeah. Here, like Dark Batman drawn by Ward. You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, his art is going to lend itself to it because it'll feel mm-hmm. cosmic horror. I think the mm-hmm. other thing that makes this work for me is one, it's it's got a lot of lore already tied to it. This idea that the Court mm-hmm. of Orwells are guarding it, and Batman's going to have to like work with them. Yep. But also the idea that a horrible version of Batman's trying to find a kid to turn into his Robin in our yeah. world or in like the regular DC world mm-hmm. is that's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm in. I'm yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, <laughs> right? I like the Court of Owls because we haven't gotten them a lot, right? They've I feel really like picked their spots in the stories that they use them. Yeah, I feel like we've not seen them much outside of continuity. Because this is a Black Label book, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like we don't stand to see them in books like this. I mean, in the last couple of years, we have seen them pop up. Like, they're in the Gotham Knights video game. I think they eventually showed up on, uh, like, Gotham, I want to say, by the end. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're, because they're a relatively new creation, they're, I mean, they're over a decade old now, but they're, that's relatively new in comics terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is just one of the first times I can remember them being in like a prestige like standalone book like this. Um, I could be yeah. wrong. Maybe there's an example that I'm not thinking of, but this is sticking out to me on that. Yeah, no. So yeah. cool. Uh, and the cover is uh, very uh, nice and. Uh, yeah. Christian Ward. It's got tentacles. I do see octopus style tentacles. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a kraken in this as well. Hey, maybe it's set in the same world as uh, Aquaman Andromeda. Uh, that's what it was called. I was rocking my brain. I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like the court. It should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we got Batman 138. Uh, Chip Zarsky, Jorge Jimenez. Oh, Jimenez on art. That's, I mean, that's... That's that's exciting. It's just the cover. I'm... There's there's a number of things in Batman I don't want to see anymore. And right <laughs> up next to it, it's... I don't want to see Nightwing fight Bruce. I'm just... I'm over it. Like, talk it out. Go to therapy. Right. It does kind of feel like Zarsky's going just going down the uh, the shopping list of everything that every Batman writer yeah. seems to hit on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, again, this could just be metaphorical, right? Yeah, like they might be, not yeah. actually. It, it's just the you know Dick going out like, why are you doing this with Selena? Type stuff, but uh, the cover doesn't instill me with confidence. No, that's fair. Uh, 
Catwoman fifty eight. Um, oh, this was the one. Yeah, Nico Nico Leon. This was the right. this was the one I complained <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, which makes sense. This is three months till this comes out. Uh, so yeah, three months to do the art. Uh, good luck, Nico. If you're not taking off for trash talking the process on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, then we got Batman Catwoman the Gotham War Red Hood issue two. This is the tie-in uh, two-parter. And then we got Batman Catwoman the Gotham War Scorched Earth issue one, which is the finale to the crossover. Um, can't say I'm particularly thrilled yeah. at any of this still, but hey, at least it's done yeah. with by the end of October. Yeah, real quick on the Nico Leon thing, I just pulled up the tweet because it's still up there. Yeah. And they also add, I think I might write an open letter explaining the massive pain that's been working in Catwoman. So there is, there's a little bit more to than just the joke of stick figures. Yeah, that that sounds a little spicy, like uh, like they've had maybe repeating conflicts with getting the scripts late or something like that. Yeah, so, you know, it might not be at the writer, it could be editorial, it could be forcing a crossover that wasn't meant, you know, who knows. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It could, it could be a problem with either Tini Howard, the writer, or it could be an editorial mm-hmm. problem where maybe, maybe in past issues they've done yeah. the book and then they've said, no, you need to change it for this reason. Yeah. And, you know, it could be more that than yeah. the writer's always late. Because I, I, I don't want to just villainize the writer based no. on this one tweet. Right. It, that, I don't have enough evidence I mean, to you know, say that. Because they say working in Catwoman, it's not just like... Because I yeah. feel like if they wanted to call out the writer... It would have been worded a little bit differently. Mm. So it just seems like a, a, a cry for help amidst frustration, you know. But very interesting. We haven't had any kind of like like creative dramas since, uh, you know, DDO left, really. <laughs> you know, this is a lot more common under his stewardship. Yes, uh, DDO leaving, of course, is uh, D-Day in DC terms. D-Day, that's correct. <laughs> uh, all right, Detective Comics 1075. Uh, Ooh, what a cover. We, we do have a young Bruce Wayne surrounded by bats, which might suggest uh, some metaphorical returns to his childhood. Let's hope mm-hmm. for no perils. Uh, Ram V, I trust you. <laughs> I trust. I, I trust him for giving us a different perspective. Mm. You know. So, but yes. Yes. Uh, art by Dustin Wynn, though. That's yeah. that's a notable artist to have on a a, a, a regular issue of Detective. Good, Good for Ram V. You know, first for signs a all exclusive. Contract with DC, now getting to work with Dustin Wynn. DC put a ring on it. That's right. Yeah, we got Nightwing 107, and what I can only describe as a sexy photo for like the calendar, you know, the the, the Bat uh-huh. Boys calendar. Uh, and this is Nightwing is a construction worker up on... No, it's not a construction, this is a <laughs> ship. This is a ship. He's up on the... I, th- I thought it was up like a power pylon thing for a second. Uh, he's a pirate, Pete. I, I see that now that yeah. I'm looking at it closer. I, I just, I, th- I thought it was up like fixing phone lines or something. <laughs> oh man. Just yeah. for a second. I know. It's just very funny. I, this is, I would put this art on my wall. I am unashamed. This is a great image. Mm. Uh, the shirt's kind of half open. That said uh-huh. though, they're not objectifying his ass for a change. So. <laughs> Which is nice. Yeah. Variety. Like some variety. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a glamour shot for Babs, you know? <laughs> uh, we got Batman and Robin issue two. That's right. Remember that Williamson's starting a Batman and Robin series in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's issue two of that. Uh, we got Birds of Prey issue two. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all excited for the Kelly Thompson book. So that's uh, coming. 
Um, I'm loving the negative space on the covers for uh, these so far. I mean, uh, Le- Leonardo Romero did do Hawkeye with Kate and mm. uh, and Kelly Thompson, so very very similar in that style. Very excited for this book. I like how you said Kate first. Like Kate's like a creative <laughs> member of the team. <laughs> Well, you yeah, know, I just, you know what I mean. Uh, Kate collaborated Hawkeye. by telling them their, her life story so they could yes. put it into comic form. Well, I just wanted to clarify it was Kate Bishop Hawkeye, not Clint uh-huh. Barton Hawkeye. You know? Yeah, uh, there we go. Batman the Brave and the Bold, issue six, uh, which Van Gillen March, uh, his name on that is that. <laughs> that I don't see any of our names that we would want on here. Uh, Jorge know. Molina is quite good as an artist, but one True. one good artist out of or well, I, I should I shouldn't because Jeff Spokes and Stefano Lindini may be great. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, one one name that I recognize out of like uh, four artists that I like is uh, not enough, I think, to get me that excited. But you know. yeah, oh, director Bone story in here. Uh, okay, yeah, and Rob Williams, Stefano Lindini, plus a no holds barred story of Batman from Colin Kelly, Jackson Lindini, Jorge Molina. In their first Batman black and white story. So, yeah, so maybe then, because you said five, right? For, um, I think so. For King. And, so, is that meant to be like a three issue kind of deal, or do you think it's. I, I'm not sure. Because uh, I don't many. see them on here, but stuff can change, right? Like, But I do wonder if it was meant to be finished by that issue. So, now yeah. that things have moved around, maybe King and that will have a story in here. Yeah. Because everything's been pushed back. So, it's, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, or maybe so they'll end up in every other issue, starting with issue five mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. Like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'll be pretty obvious when we read the next one if it's the final part or not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Penguin issue three. Speaking of Tom King, uh, his Penguin book mm-hmm. is uh, on issue three in October. Uh, we got Harley Quinn thirty-three, uh, which has a Lola Rabbit version of it. it it's very Who Framed Roger Rabbit to me. Well, she was a little yeah. bunny, is what I was getting at. No, I know, I know that too, but just the her as, you know, with the detective hat, kind of fedora. Oh, sure, on. yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, For all the, the, the furries out there who uh, want a splurge <laughs> no over Harley Rabbit, you've got a chance. I, as I say, no judging, you dropped that phrase, so... I thanks. wasn't judging. Yes, I know, but just... Me saying no judging as you're yelling that word is... Let, let the splurge flow three. Freeze. As long as, long as the one's being hurt. <laughs> Although actual bunnies can't consent. I want to put that out there. Right yeah. <laughs> Just, oh, uh... well, Poison Ivy. This cover looks great. Oh, yeah. Poison Ivy 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that looks like a... Is that Killer Croc that's there with uh, Ivy on the cover? I, th- I think so. But yeah. Based off of pre-Night Terrors ongoings... Uh, that's where it was heading, it looked like. Oh, look at this next but thing. No! Uh, oh, that was a yes, 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 no, if I've ever seen it. Oh, oh, yeah, there's, there's ups and downs here. So, we have a book called Wesley Dodd's The Sandman Issue 1. It is the first issue of a six-issue miniseries written by Robert Venditti. This all sounds quite good. Uh, sounds like uh, an excellent time. You know, uh, Sandman has just been reintroduced in Night Terrors. I'd be quite into this, and I may still try it. However, the art <laughs> is Riley Rosbo. <laughs> Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's more like the Batman shadow, Riley Rosbo. Well, to be fair, Matt, he did do the cover, and that cover doesn't look bad. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That looks like Batman's shadow that we read, that mini. So, um, 
hopefully it's like this. I'm, you know, uh, I realize I've not, I don't, I haven't read a lot of Sandman Wesley Dodds. Um, and so I started looking. Do we know if the Sandman Mystery Theater books are in print right now? Oh, I have no idea. Shoot. No okay. idea. Because the, the fact that this is coming out now makes me wonder if they're going to start reprinting yeah. them. I don't think I've ever read any Wesley Dodds yeah. Sandman books, but that's why this is exciting to me. I love mm-hmm. uh, these types of characters <clears throat> coming back for things like this. Yes. Um, so not that he's necessarily back. I, mean, I don't know if this is a uh, this may just no, be set a, during the time period. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, one. It's a mini two, so it could be at any point in his career. Right? Uh, but I can see a theme at play here because we also have Jay Garrick, mm-hmm. The Flash, issue one, written mm-hmm. by Jeremy Adams, who just obviously wrapped up his Flash run with art by Diego Olortiga. Uh, uh, really cool cover. This is uh, Jay mm-hmm. and his daughter on the cover. Cool. Yep. Also a six issue mini series. These sound like one shots. These are actually this is kind of cool. These are all miniseries, uh, and there's yep. a third one. We've got Alan Scott Green Lantern issue one. This mm-hmm. is uh, written by Tim Sheridan and art by Cian Torme. Uh, I do really like that cover, which is by David Talaski. Yep. Um, I'll admit, Tim Sheridan didn't he do like some of those Tim Drake books early he on? He did the the Titans uh, Academy. Ah, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not super enthusiastic by his name, but I'll give it a try because I, I want to read the yeah. Alan Scott book. I mean, and that cover, the art deco-ness of the border behind him, it yes. screams just Justice Society to me. Yeah. So That said, though, that's the cover artist who's not the interior artist, so... Yeah, but we like Tormi. Tormi's pretty decent. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it won't look like that, though. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, but like it just it feels like it's... If that's what the vibe they're going for is classic... Just Society, maybe, maybe that's Sheridan's bread and butter. And we don't know it yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, we got Wonder Woman issue two. That's right. Tra- I, you know I, I forgot that we're getting a new Wonder <sighs> yeah. Woman Tom King run. Uh, I love that cover. And Josie Campbell's doing the backup. I mean, these are mm-hmm. all good, good things. Uh, obviously, the yeah. Josie Campbell things uh, probably tying into the Amazon's attack, given yeah. that it's also the same artist. <laughs> so that's fair enough. Uh, we got... Yeah, so it looks like there's some villains in the in the bracelet reflections. Oh yeah, I can right? see them. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Doctor Poison there. But yeah, that's that's such a good cover. Uh, Sam Pierre killing it. Yep, yep, yep. Sam Pierre's excellent. Uh, we got the Flash issue two uh, by Cy Spurrier, Mike Diodato Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, also an interesting cover. It's definitely doing mm-hmm. something different. So we'll see. A new character debut, so make sure if you're getting this physically to get your pre-orders in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Stillness is making <sighs> a debut. Cool. Just keep it, uh, keep the Still Force away right now. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're using the Still Force. Uh, no, please. I'm just saying, we, we can do... Don't... <sighs> There's no mention of Still Force in the, the text, so no. I think you can rest easy, I think. Uh, oh, this is a nice cover. We have the eagerly anticipated Superman issue 7 slash 850, <laughs> which I get what they're doing here. Honestly, legacy yeah. numbering on the cover. You can keep that there forever, DC. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Uh, but yeah, so obviously this is issue 850 overall if you add up all the, the main Superman comics together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's issue 7 of this run, though, which is Joshua Elmson with Geb, Gleb Melenkov, Dan Jurgens, and others. Uh, yeah, it's a Jamal Campbell cover, which, you know, they've had some Jamal Campbell covers uh, yeah, before. Yeah, this is... I love this cover a whole lot. Just the way that it's playing with the light mm. and the birds. It's just... Yeah. 
Uh, notably, he's not in interiors for this issue, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if he's just taking a break before he gets back to another arc, or if yeah. he's just off the book after the initial arc. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, uh, so, that's cool. And it is... It's a little bit oversized. It's 48 pages, uh, $6. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, we got Action Comics 1058. Um... That's only part of a cover, I think, which probably yeah. means they're hiding a spoiler from a previous mm-hmm. issue, would be my guess. Well, uh, if you read what the issue's about, then I'm sure I, I realize who that is. Uh, Superman. An imposter tyrant Superman. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's who stays away from the... Uh... Gotcha, but... Who knows what what that means? If is it you know, an actual or is it just Clark, you know, coming at terms with something mm. we don't know. Uh, uh, that said, the the backup I'm very excited for. Yeah, we got a Jin Lin Yang written backup, uh, which I'm going to assume is New Superman. With uh, Victor Bogdanovich on art, so that's putting that team back together. <laughs> that that is quite cool, actually. That, mm-hmm. That's taking us back to the start of Rebirth. Yep, uh, and, uh, man, I love that book so much. We'll we'll talk about um, Keenan in uh, in action. I, I miss that character so much. We got Power Girl issue two, mm-hmm. uh, which is Leah Williams and Eduardo Pansica. My goodness, that a Gary Frank cover? Uh, it's a Gary Let's... Frank cover, yeah. Let's go! Very good. Uh, we got Shazam issue four. Um, do you know what's the weird thing? is because a lot of these books took two months off after two mm-hmm. issues. I'm like shocked that we're only getting issue four solicits, but yeah. that's why... Uh, but yeah, that looks cool. Also a nice cover, to be honest. There's a lot of nice covers so far. Yeah. Uh, Steelworks issue 5, uh, penultimate issue of that miniseries. Uh, we got Hot Girl issue 4. Um, after... Uh, you weren't here for issue 1, were you? Yeah, I was. Were you? Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, I, I, I enjoyed you, it. Yeah, you weren't. It was, it was Connor who was being the, the downer. Yeah, Con- right? I don't, yeah, Connor was in it. I, I liked it. It was, it was okay. It was a nice first issue. Um... We're going to have Hot Girl vs. Dragon, so let's go. We got Titans issue four, so that's going. We got a big uh, Amanda Waller in the background <laughs> peering down over yeah. everyone. And Gar with a bunch of animals and a, like a rainforest. I just, I, I like that. Without Waller in the back, I really just like the vibe of that. With her there, it adds a sense of ominousness. So, oh, it was a menace, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we got Cyborg issue four. Uh, which is four of six. We have World's Finest Teen Titans issue four. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's still going. And we got Tales of the Titans issue four, uh, mm-hmm. which is the last of those and does actually set up a little bit of the next little crossover event. Yep. Uh, we got Green Lantern issue four, uh, which hey. no- notably has a flash on the cover as well. And, and a co well, it must be the backup. Never mind. It's the co writer, but yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah, uh, we got, yeah, Pierre Tomasi. When was the last time he did something with DC? I don't know, but I love Tomasi Green Lantern, so it's been a while. It's been yeah. a while. Uh, so that is cool. Um, we got Green Lantern War Journal issue two, uh, which this is the second ongoing Green Lantern book, uh, featuring John Stewart mm-hmm. by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Um, which you know, I'm looking forward to. As much as I didn't really mm-hmm. like the backups he did, it was less because of the concepts and more just because it felt like there wasn't enough pages to actually yeah. like tell what he was trying to do. So uh, I'm looking forward to him being able to flesh it out with an actual book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Beetle issue two. Makes sense. Ooh. We got mm-hmm. Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville issue two. 
by jo Joanne Stater and Terry Dodson. Uh, we got Green Arrow issue five. Um, oh boy. <laughs> that's a lot of Oliver Queens on the cover. <sighs> hey, but there's a variant cover by uh, Alvaro Martinez Bueno from Nice House on the Lake. Oh, I mean, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the next couple issues of that are like. Uh, obviously, we've not been super hot on it. Mm -mm. Uh, Doom Patrol, or sorry, Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue 7, which is the final <laughs> issue of that miniseries uh, coming out in October. Uh, I do really hope that leads to more, but obviously I've been really digging that book. Uh, mm -hmm. So, cool. Aquaman The Lost Kingdom Special issue 1. Uh there's talk. Pass. There's no, talk. No offense. Yeah. There's talks but... of that movie being delayed for several months, so we'll see yeah. if this book still uh, follows coming out. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got Return of Superman 30th Anniversary Special Issue One. Uh, AKA let let Dan Jurgens do his thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, to celebrate the reign of Superman and Return of Superman, DC has brought back the original classic creative teams for new stories set in the wake of Superman's death. It all begins with New Daily Planet editor-in-chief Lois Lane discovering Perry White's journals from the time from that time. Uh, so yeah, so they're kind of tying it loosely into modern continuity. I, you know what though? I kind of like that though. I mean, and it gives it a like a like a wraparound kind of thing. To, to an excuse yeah, to jump back in the past. It's given it a framework to tell its short stories yeah. in. Um, That's the word I was looking for, was a framework. I will say, I, I expect these stories to mostly be fluff, mm -hmm. uh, would be my guess. Like, a lot of these, this is an 80-page special they're doing. Um, I'm not going to say I won't read it, though. It kind of just depends how busy that week is. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, having a, a loose tie to the present-day continuity does make it feel at least a little bit more... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't say important. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, but it feels a bit more. I don't know, just connected, I guess. Yeah. Well, and now because of this, I just realized that it drops on Halloween, which means it's going to be on a Tuesday, which that kind of runs me out. The Halloween's on a Tuesday. <laughs> okay, we had another three or four years for the weekend again, Matt. Sorry. Mm, I know. Uh, probably three. I'm sure there's a leap year before then. A leap year somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All American Comics issue 16 facsimile edition. Detective Comics 140 facsimile edition, uh, Batman Beyond Neo Gothic issue 4, Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker issue 6, City Boy issue 6, final issue of that, uh, mm -hmm. Danger Street issue 10, super pumped for that. Hey, that's a cool cover too. It looks, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Like yeah. I was bummed you weren't here to talk about the last one because it felt like yeah. a lot of like threads were starting to converge a little bit yeah. in it. So looking forward to talking about the next one. Yes, um, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, issue four. Justice Society of America, issue eight, uh, which is cool. Um, mm -hmm. Mad Magazine 35, Peacemaker Tries Hard, issue six. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, one, two, four. Spirit World, issue six. Superman Lost, issue seven. I imagine feeling like you're in this weird section that's after the facsimile editions. Like, was this a really, like, you know what they consider not necessarily yeah. bad because Danger Street's in here, but just like the yeah. weird batch at the end. Um, uh, the Joker, the Man Who Stopped Laughing, issue eleven. The Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, the Glass House, issue six. The Vigil, issue six, final issue of that as well. Uh, That's just a panel from the last issue we read. It is, yes. Uh, 
Oh, I mean, maybe there's spoilers in the cover, or either, or it's just not done yet. That's it's also not done yet. But I was just like, I, that looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Waller versus Whalestorm issue four, and that wraps up the single issues. Uh, there's a deluxe edition of Strange Adventures coming out, so mm-hmm. that's probably going to be a pop seller, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing Volume Four: The Leap. Fourth volume of uh, Taylor's Run, Dark Knights mm. of Steel Volume Two, second half of that book. Uh, so cool. Uh, which one day will finish in single form? I believe it. Uh, Eventually. Uh, Poison Ivy Volume Two, Multiversity Harley Quinn screws up the DCU, Vixen NYC Volume Three, Zatanna and the Ripper Volume Two. Uh, that doesn't look like Giles. <laughs> Yeah, you knew I'd make that joke if you didn't. Uh, I know. Teen Titans go to the library. Very good. Uh, Danger Street Volume 1 soft cover for mm-hmm. six issues. Uh, Absolute Luther Joker, new edition. So it's the two. Uh, yeah, I feel like those two books are along those as long as they keep them in print. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they clearly always sell. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Archimaniacs. <laughs> That's a good title. It's, just, it it's a new printing, but it's a very good title. Uh, Batman Eternal Omnibus, new edition. Wow. Damn. Uh, yeah, well, you see the names, right? It's Snyder and Tynan, and then you look at all of this, all the artists that are here. Well, if it's a real all... comic, you got to have at least four rotating artists, if not more. No, yeah, but when you look at the names here, right? Fabic, when... Uh, I didn't know Seeley Drew. Right? I wonder if that... Blanco. Is that a mistake, maybe? I don't and know. Maybe... Because Higgins is there too, um, yeah. but yeah, you you know Blanco's there, uh, Alvaro Martinez. So, um, you know, I only ever read the first like handful of issues. One day, I remember I got I got to one where the art was super not my thing, and I stopped. Yeah. So, um, and I was it was bad girl focused. So maybe I got through like the first twelve. It was it was, it was it was a, it was a tough sell, but I think the idea yeah. of binging an omnibus does. I like that yeah. more. I think than than at the Weekly. time. Admittedly, I think if this existed now for our show, it'd probably be quite a good constant staple every week to read. But yeah. um, I think at the time, it felt like a bit of a burden to keep up with. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Batman Volume Five: Fear State, uh, soft cover. Batman Catwoman, soft cover. Uh, Batman Gotham After Midnight, the deluxe edition. Do you know what? That's actually an interesting uh, uh, deluxe to put out, so fair enough. Uh, I was say, which one is Gotham After Midnight? Is that a... Isn't that the, like, supernatural investigator story stuff from, like, during the New 52? Maybe I'm I wrong. Think, I don't think so. This is huh? Kelly Jones, and it's oh, Steve right. Niles. So... Seems familiar, but I'm not too quite sure. Was that sure. Gotham by Midnight that was called? Yeah, I believe that's yeah, that okay, one. That's what Gotham I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, okay, in that case, I don't really know what this has done. Uh, yeah. But fair enough. Uh, Batman, Harley, and Ivy, uh, which is a Denny Bruce Tim uh, mm-hmm. collection of stories. Uh, Batman, Killing Time, self-cover. Dark Knight's yeah. Death Metal Omnibus. Uh, that's not a surprise they're doing that. So obviously it's, it's Death Metal and all the tie-ins and one yeah. big huge hardcover uh 968 pages to be precise 
Uh, Batman Dark Knight Detective Volume 8. I'm glad they're mm. going with these. Uh, so Dark Knight Detective is the fairly meaty collections, about 350 pages a pop, of mm. Detective Comics post-crisis. And then the other one, which is called... Oh, I can't remember what that one's called, but there's another one that's the same, but for the Batman comic. And they've been mm. keeping them going now, so they're up to Volume 8, which is really cool, because it means you can cool. read every issue of Batman and Detective, starting from post-crisis all the way up to... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, it does skip a couple of key things. It skips, um, like, year one. That makes sense. That's a standalone. Yeah. You know, you can pick that up anytime. I like this Matt Wagner cover, though. It's very pulpy. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, so I, I just like, for conservation's sake, them all being available. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle, oh, sorry. Green Lantern Kyle Rayner Rising Compendium is a 700 page softcover. <laughs> Which features Oof. Green Lantern Zero and then issues 48 through 65, and then just a spattering of issues that tie into those things and other places it shows up. So, this I assume this is just the uh, yeah, like his initial Green Lantern, yeah, like, run the introduction to the crab mask, yes, that glorious, glorious crab mask. Yeah. Oh, screams 90s. If masks were porn, that would be the mask. Oh, god. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern Silver Age Omnibus New Edition Volume 1 yeah they've done this a couple of times actually this is like the mm-hmm. third print of this at least uh, 1000 pages has issues 1 to 35 plus a few issues of showcase where you actually get introduced mm-hmm. um, which is actually bigger because I think the initial omnibuses of this because I actually had them the first one mm-hmm. only went up to issue like 22 so they're they're definitely bigger than the old versions so they'll be getting through the, the entire nice. thing quicker presumably yeah I mean Thousand pages, don't drop it on your foot, people. Oh, of course not, no. Uh, Hardware Season 1. There's a lot of collections this one, jeez. Infinite Crisis, new edition. Fair enough. Uh, it's a hardcover. Not deluxe, though, just a regular hardcover. Uh, Justice League, Volume 2, United Order. This is the Bendis Justice League uh, run. And yeah. uh, Nubia and the Amazons. Mm-hmm. Soft cover. Superman, Son of Kal-El, Volume 2. Soft cover. Superman, the Silver Age Omnibus, Volume 1. Uh, so this is not yeah. a new printing. This is actually the, the first of this uh, because they were, they were yeah. doing the bronze... Or the, not the bronze, sorry. The the Gold Age. Gold Golden, Age. yeah. Uh, so this is them finally doing Silver Age. They've done one or two Batman Silver Ages. So this is the first Superman one. So this is collecting Action 241 to 265 and Superman 122 to 137. So again, for preservation's sake and having everything available, it's really nice that they've got these and they're they're keeping them going. Mm-hmm. Um, Invisibles Book Two, new new edition. Yep. Uh, the Question Omnibus by Dennis O'Neill and Dennis Callan, nice. Volume Two. So, uh, I think when they did the Volume One Omnibus, I think a lot of people were rightfully skeptical if it would sell enough to get the the second volume. Uh, I'm glad that it has though. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, Trial of the Amazons, softcover collection. Young Justice Omnibus Volume 1. Uh, this doesn't say new edition, but it is, because I know it already existed. Yeah. But uh, 1,200 pages on this bad boy. Uh, this is... Oh, no, wait, no, no, no. no. How do you, wait, wait, how do you read that? What's wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This didn't already exist. Uh, John's Teen Titans was already in the Omnibus form. This is This is new. Uh, okay, then then there was a deluxe because I know I I there, read the there was a the series of maybe there was deluxes too, but there was definitely a series of thick paperbacks that did the whole yeah. thing in like 
I don't know however many volumes. Yeah, uh, so that's this what, that's is what I mean by those. Yeah. And it was like it was like Young Justice by you Peter know, David. Peter David. Yeah. yeah. So this I know is I read those. Twelve hundred pages has that the first half of that run, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, if you've got an omnibus mat, you read it on a on a table. You it's just you know have the. I just, but like I'm all I can think about is bending the the spine, just because it's so much. You know what I mean? Well, well that's why you have sewn binding because it's designed yeah. to arc up that, and you know. Yeah. That, that's why still... people criticized the first few omnibuses DC did like a decade ago is because yeah. they didn't have sewn binding and it was a big problem. Uh, but as long as you've got good binding, that's actually not an issue at all. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta take this to like a, a hefty table. You put this on, uh, you know, just a regular. You're gonna go through it like a wrestler, you know, in a ladder match. So, <laughs> oof. You're, you're overdoing this a bit, Matt. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I don't know if my table, my kitchen table, could uphold this one. It bloody could. It bloody could. Anyway, uh, last up's one more omnibus Zero Crisis. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Zero Hour Crisis in Time Omnibus New Edition. Uh, yeah, that's that's just under 1,100 pages for this one. So, uh, yeah, happy days. We're good now. Um, sometimes I miss collecting these chunky books, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they cost a fortune and then they'd sit there for ages before I'd read them if I ever do. So, uh, from, from a financial standpoint, I made the right choice. But Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's cool. I, I appreciate them all existing. That's a good thing. So... Uh, all right, there you go. That's the solicitations. Uh, so there was one new surprise in there for us, which was the Sandman Wesley Dodds book, which was immediately met with, oh no, it's Riley Rosmo. Uh, but I am excited for a lot of the books that already started in September or August. And I'm definitely excited for the Supergirl special and some of those other things that popped up. Obviously, uh, the Kelly Thompson book, uh, more than anything, mm -hmm. really. So, yeah. There you go. That's uh, Solicits for October. So, without further ado, we'll get into this week's comic, starting with Night Terrors, issue two, Joshua Williamson writing with Stefano Nisi, Casper Wingard, and Giuseppe Caminculli on the art. Uh, so it's the same trio of artists, I think, from last issue. From, yeah, um, from issue one. Or issue, yeah, from issue one. And... I will say, like, much like last time, although I think it was even worse this time, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, the first few pages, I like this art. And then it changed. And I'm like, okay, that was a bit jarring. And then it changed mm -hmm. again. And I'm not shitting you. The last two pages of this book, when it shifted to like, this sort of dark scene where it's just like black and red, I could not see, tell what I was looking at. I had to like, adjust, I had to adjust my eyes for like a minute to eventually see that there was people standing there because it was just yeah. a mess of red lines on black. I just so basically what i'm saying is as far as art's concerned i i'm not ranking this highly at all nope um, so. i'm with you on that one and it's and i'm wondering if it's because of there's those uh, i think they're wind covers that, that are red and black um hmm. let's see let me go to this weeks yeah that was a dustin one yeah yeah so i think that's what that's a take on but yeah when it i couldn't tell like Am I supposed to know who these characters are? Like, I know they're the Sleepless Nights, but you you can't really get a sense of them. Yeah. Like, it's... They're, they're just the Sleepless Nights, Matt. That's all they are. <laughs> no, I know, but, like, are we... Are, are these supposed... If you're reading the other Night Terrors, are these supposed to be reminiscent of, of, of you know, nightmares that are popping up in all the other heroes' dreams and stuff? You know? 
Like, is that where Insomnia is pulling them from? Well, we've read most of those, and I don't recognize them, so... Right. But in, in the moment, that's that's what I was wondering. Um, I will give uh, Williamson credit here on a, you know, tying, tying Insomnia to some of the modern uh, events that have happened, right? Like the whole Arkham Tower, the Lazarus Reign, all this other stuff. It's not like it's some guy from the deep past like we were worrying about mm, yeah so i mean i like the first page which was kind of dead man doing like a talk show kind of welcoming us back to the story mm-hmm. um i like the first few pages of sandman and uh dead man and batman's body like discussing mm-hmm. what's going on um unfortunately though as soon as sandman started talking about his experience with this cult where he first heard of the nightmare stone mm-hmm. back in the golden age days I really start to be like, hate it. <laughs> and Aww. honestly, like, I've been saying for the, you know, the, for, for, uh, First Blood, for issue one, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm kind of into the main story well enough, but mm-hmm. Williamson usually lets me down eventually. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, issue two is where that, that has landed for me. Oh, man. I, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for a, a, you know, a robed up cult story, you know? Like, I don't. I like them as foils. So seeing like they they were trying to pull the, well, the nightmare stone. I should I should probably clarify. It wasn't necessarily the first yeah. time we see the call. Like that part of it was okay. It was mm-hmm. when we get to the like the living descendant of the call and we see into mm-hmm. his nightmare and we do a whole bit with him and insomnia coming to like mess with him and his nightmare thinking he might know where the nightmare stone is. Like we spend several mm-hmm. pages with this like character who's you know tangentially related to what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. with Nightmare going after them. There, there was just nothing interesting about it, and I felt like... I, I don't know, it just it took up so much of the issue, it felt like it was kind of wallowing in like its own mm-hmm. little corner of mythology that I just did not like, or think was that exciting. Um, I mean, I like that he explodes into coins like a Mario character. That was pretty cool. Uh, uh, no? Uh, yeah. I, I, just, I, I just like the Sandman stuff with him. You know, going back into time and like it was a, a case that he, you know, uh, was investigating and he thinks that he foils this ritual sacrifice. But no, the whole point was the cult leader was sacrificing himself to bring about the, the Nightmare Stone. I like that little wrinkle, you know, um, and again, the pulpiness there. Uh, and then just Insomnia's origin of, you know, he exists not as he's not one of these characters that. You know, oh, he's in the background, or he's from, you know, Dead Man's past or whatever. It's, you know, his powers were awakened because of, you know, he was in Arkham Tower uh, and, and the Lazarus Reigns, you know, aggravated whatever. And, and that's where he comes from. So Yeah, we knew that uh, from uh, last issue. Right, but the fact that he was a new character, you know what mm. I mean? Like, it wasn't like, it, you know, it was something that we weren't expecting. So um, credit there, I think... I do like the look of him with the red eyes, right? Like, I do think that's a pretty unique, you know, uh, like his his real world version, you know? It gives that guy a, a, a creepiness factor instead of just being a dude in a, in a orderly chair, so... I mean, uh, I wasn't super into that when it happened, though, which mm-hmm. is Dead Man, like, sort of, like, feeling pain and then be like, oh, I'm still mm-hmm. connected to insomnia because of what happened yeah, that was before. Yeah, a bit of a, a laziness. Uh, I think there. Th- that bothers me because I feel it feels like a bit of a, an easy device, but it also bothered me because the art in these pages, I think, is where yeah. it's maybe at its 
maybe, I don't know if it's the worst of the book, but it's certainly where I felt like mm-hmm. uh, I, I I was less into it. I was really feeling jarred versus like the earlier pages. And then, you know, it's right after that where we get the lights go out and it's like, oh, the the, yeah. the sleepless nights are here. And it's just, I mean, and Red Tornado is infected with them. He's evil. Well, yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, because they, you know, we see that and he's talking and said that he should have stayed in Arkham. And then it's revealed, like, this sleepless night ripped off his head through his spine. And, like, he's an android. He'll be fine. But how is how how are they talking to him? Are we yeah, looking for logic in a nightmare? Like, he, is this what we're doing? He's holding up Red Tornado's head, and he's sort mm-hmm. of spines dangling from it. But the the, yeah. the speech the speech bubbles coming from Red Tornado saying it's way past your bedtime, and it's kind of right. ominous, like he's the villain. So right. um, it feels like he's the villain here. This sleepless night's holding him up and using him as a puppet to like lure uh, Dead Man or Sandman towards them. Right, which right. is fine, I guess. But honestly. It, it took me a minute to really think about what happened in these last two pages because it just kind of comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere and I just it felt really sloppy to me it, you know yeah. if, if storytelling's conveying information so it just clicks as soon as you get it then this is like a failure on that level yeah. because I, I had to really stop and think about what the hell was even going on at the end mm-hmm. here yeah this was a rough issue for me I uh, we spend a good chunk in the middle with this like you know son of this old cult leader at his mansion having a weird nightmare and Somnia is there and kills him and turns him into mm-hmm. coins and I feel like if you took that out of the book right if it was just Sandman says hey there was this cult they tried to mm-hmm. bring the nightmare stone into the world and they failed but it, it sent shivers down my spine and I've been worried about it ever since if that, if that yeah. was the end of the mention of that cult, that would be fine. Like, that that would True. make sense. Yeah. But yeah. everything with the Sun character, I'm like, this is just, like, padding in the middle of this issue that I don't think adds anything to what's going on. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. Because he, that there has no, that has no bearing on what, anything that happens later. No. And if you it's take... just insomnia it, popping in. And if you do take that out and you look at what actually happens in the issue, aside from that, like, it is literally just Dead Man and Dodge talk a bit at the grave, and then they talk a bit on the... Was it the Watchtower they're on? Where are they? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the Watchtower? No, it's Mr. Terrific's uh, base. That's where it is. Um, they go to Mr. Terrific's base, and then they talk for a bit, and these villains show up. Like, that is it. That That is the extent of what's going on in this issue. Uh, for 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 a, an event that only has effectively five issues to tell its story, it feels really weird to me that this issue felt like mostly padding. And it's a shame because I really liked the the Wesley Dodge revival. Then the, the yeah. last issue, I was excited by that, and I feel like here all he did was give some exposition, and he's just kind of hanging around. And maybe he'll do something super important yeah. in the next two, and that's fine. But nothing of importance really happens in this issue. This is a fluffy dud issue with bad art. With bad, well, not that all the art's bad, yeah. but it's yeah. extremely inconsistent and jarring art. Yeah, it was to the point where like we started talking about it, and I had to just go refresh because I remembered all the Sandman stuff because that's the stuff I enjoyed. But uh, when you started talking about the back, you know, the last two pages with the red and the black, I kind of forgot about it. Cause it didn't make that much of an impact because I was just like, all right, get through it. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd enjoyed it more, but then I remembered what I read, so it is kind of <laughs> like a nightmare, right? <laughs> like, uh, 
Oh, what a so. review. Yeah. So, uh, we, we rating? Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. I, I, I guess the cliffhanger is also a bit of a dud, not because, not just because it's a bit weird and confusing, because yeah. these villains just show up out of nowhere that we've never seen before. Yeah. At least, maybe maybe they've popped in the, 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 the you know, the tie-ins, but, like, nothing memorable. But yeah. I think it's just because... Okay, so Insomnia has got effectively henchmen to like come mm-hmm. and like fight when he can't come into the real world. Okay, I guess that makes sense. But it's also like you've not really devoted any time to building them up or making them scary. They've just no. shown up out of nowhere, and it's it's almost like it's a comic book. Of course, the villain has henchmen. Okay, okay fine, but that doesn't make them interesting. It doesn't no. make them exciting. It makes them feel like a, just a typical trope, so we can have some more fights. No, if we saw them turn stuff up in the real world because they've escaped the nightmare realm. And then we see them again at the end, and we're like, oh man, what's that man going to do? Yeah, or, or even just the, the idea that there's some ominous figures like mm-hmm. on their way, like they're looking for yeah. the, the the heroes, and we're getting closer a little bit throughout <laughs> the issue, and then they show up at the end, at least then it'd be a payoff, and it'd be like, okay, yeah. you've built up a bit of dread, we'll see how this goes next issue. Instead, it just feels like you're throwing them in almost out of nowhere, just to keep these characters busy, and... It's a shame because I feel like you could do something with, oh, this is like Dead Man and Wesley Dodds and you know a bunch of like C-listers who aren't the Justice League having to deal with maybe some very powerful antagonists. Yeah. That could be interesting if you really set up that threat. But as it is, they just kind of feel like nothing characters are just thrown in at the end. So mm-hmm. whatever. I don't care. True. Impress me, Williamson. Hey, just keep writing some cool pulpy stuff, and I'll, I'll in the first half, and I'll be happy for a little bit. That, that's I'm I'm okay with that. But also, what's what's Todd's uh, knockout gas gonna do against these nightmare creatures? Right, like it's it's zombie Wesley Dodds in a Batman piloted by an acrobat, right? Because it's not like it's Bruce fighting them. Mm-hmm. It's you know, like what are they gonna do? So. And that's not the type of cliffhanger, you kind of already said that, that excites me for the next issue. And we're no closer to figuring out where the Nightmare Stone is. Like, we're, this is halfway through now. Yeah, we're halfway right? through this entire, you know, two-month event. And, yeah. There's been no clue on which of the nightmares of the heroes it's in. And not a... I mean, maybe it'll become more clear by the end, but yeah. not a single tie-in so far has felt no. important to the main story. Not a single no. one. So, anyway, what are you rating uh, Night Terror's issue two, uh, Matt? I'm um, yeah, it's five point five. Yeah, I'll hit this with a four. That sucks. Oof. So, can't wait for Oof. issue three. <laughs> oh dear, I so I hate I hate being negative because Connor is going to feel like he's vindicated by being so negative, and I don't like that. I don't want Connor to be rewarded for his cynicism. No, me neither. I want to be rewarded when I'm cynical correctly, but not, I don't want him to be rewarded for cynicism. Uh, man, all right, what book is next? Night Terrors, Detective Comics, Issue 1, Dan Waters, and Ricardo Federici. So, first off, the art is obviously very... That's just, you know, if we're comparing yeah. this to Night Terrors, Issue 2, the art is consistent, and it is always very, very high quality. Let's just say that yes. up front. For sure. Uh, and this... This actually felt like a nightmare. Like reading it, like Dan Waters does some really good uh, setup uh, of you know of dream logic, where it felt very ethereal in parts. I think 
I mean, I think Mark Wade had a slightly better handle of Dream Logic. Mm-hmm. I will say that this is one of the better written tie-ins that this is that this entire yeah. event's had. I think it reads well, it flows, mm-hmm. and it actually feels like a full story as opposed to just changing mm-hmm. the location every three pages because it's a dream and we can. It feels right. like, no, we're setting up a status quo that Gordon, because it's a Jim Gordon story, mm-hmm. that he's in, he's looking after this this kid uh, from the backups. Sorrow. Right? Sorrow, yeah. Um, and it delves into a little bit, and I think there's even some red herrings where, you know, the, the book starts with... Um, Oh, he's looking at James Gordon Jr.'s grave. Oh, it's going to be about him. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll turn out to be something later. But um, at least so far, it feels like, no, no, it sets up his story. The art's really good. It's got atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I still think it suffers by the end a little bit f- from feeling like, I don't know, like, and this is really not this book's fault. It's more just the, the feeling of the event as a whole, where by the end, once there is more horrific things happening, I'm still just kind of feeling like, Okay, it's still just a night terrorist tie-in. It's as good as it is compared to a lot of the yeah, other ones. But, yeah. but I want to give Waters credit here that he's trying something to tell a story about Jim Gordon as Batman and as this person of Gotham, right? Because mm. there are pieces of the story that add up to I, I can see what he wants to do, right? So you have, you know, the, all the stuff with the people, you know, that go, you know, pray to these dark figures from the fifth world, not the fifth world, from the fifth dimension, Right. And what they represent, well, yeah, and what I, that represents to, to Gordon as the former commissioner of the city. Well, so okay, I like well, all you, of you, that stuff. Yeah, you've not established what's going on in the book yet. You've just mm-hmm. thrown out fifth dimensional figures. We have yes. to we have to set this up. So yep. so this story it shows insomnia kind of like moving the buildings around. It's probably the best insomnia has looked actually in any of these books yeah. as these like oh. things where he looks really huge and he's like, you know, moving the buildings around. Oh, but th- there's this unknown narrator saying we are being summoned and you're like who's this who, who, who is this talking mm-hmm. and it turns out to be these creatures from the fifth dimension which in this world there's this like cult who are trying to summon them to gotham and gordon is looking after this kid's uh, sorrow they end up he senses something's going on and runs after uh, this ritual that's happening mm-hmm. and these creatures show up and stuff happens right i think what at least the way I read this, it sounds like these fifth dimensional creatures are not just part of a nightmare. It sounds like they're real fifth dimensional creatures. And that's why we're getting narration from them. Like them saying we are being summoned mm-hmm. and it shows you Insomnia playing with this nightmare world. It mm-hmm. kind of implies that Insomnia is the one who's really summoned them into yeah. this nightmare. Well, or or what, the, what he's done by knocking out everybody, right? Um, and making them fall asleep draw, drew the attention of the fifth dimensional beings. Yeah. Or arguably maybe, yeah, just the, 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 the nightmare that Gordon's having, like mm, yeah. the, there's like parts of his mind that are summoning them. Either way, it didn't feel like they were just like made up parts of a nightmare. It felt like they no. were a real thing coming in outside from a nightmare. And that inherently yeah. made them more interesting than any other villain that's been mm-hmm. in any of these nightmare like tie-ins. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. like I think that's one of the reasons why it felt better and was definitely more enjoyable to read. Um, yeah. Plus the art in these like fifth dimensional creatures like, is uh, horrific. They're like yeah. it's like one's like half a face and then just spiky bones underneath, and mm-hmm. another one's got like stitching across its mouth. Like they they look like um I don't know H.R. Giger spent a year in Mad Max and yeah. came up with these like stripped down versions of his monstrosities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For but, sure. Sorry, did you get any like uh, Hellraiser kind of vibes too? Oh yeah, a little bit of Cenobite. Like, little, yeah. There we go. I couldn't remember the name of those. Yeah, a little, um, little Cenobite. I can see that. Right um, from that realm. 
Especially the summoning part, because it feels like they're mm-hmm. being summoned, like the, the Cenobites are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's these three, like, people in, like, red masks uh, mm-hmm. who are summoning them, and it's because they think Gotham needs to be saved, and they want the power from the fifth-dimensional creatures to fix Gotham. Um, and I've got a feeling one of them might turn out to be James Gordon Jr., just because of the, the setup at the start of the book. Of, 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 the, uh, of the nightmare. Yeah. Of it all. But, yeah, right, because they want, uh, what was it, power? Power, wealth, wealth and, and knowledge. Yeah, there you go. How's it? Right. Which also, so when you look about it, it's also to me, I read this as a criticism of Batman, right? From, from like Jim Gordon, right? Because oh, sure, he doesn't, yeah, yeah. you know, because these are three things that Batman has and they haven't fixed any of the problems in Gotham. I, yeah, I don't think, like, obviously, Gordon necessarily knows he's wealthy. Maybe he thinks he is. No. Because, you know. Yeah, well, look at all the gadgets and yeah, stuff, right? He's, he's got a lot of stuff. And, um, and just even as his time as a Batman, which he touches on, here, you know, he had all the the backing of the uh, whatever program that was that turned him into Batman, too. Yeah. So you know, um, and let's be fair, that that's the part that I didn't like as much towards the end. Yeah. There's this demonic version of uh, Robo Bunny Batman that Gordon oh, wore. The rookie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, I wasn't thrilled to see that. Although the idea of Gordon having to chase down this horrific version of Batman yeah. and himself is yeah. kind of interesting. Um. So. But that, that's what happens ultimately. But the big thing that happens before that is that uh, Sorrow gets killed. He gets incinerated mm-hmm. by these fifth dimensional beings. Yep. Um, and Gordon gets knocked out and he wakes up. And I love, like, this is a great writing technique. Uh, Dan Waters here. He's, mm-hmm. he's got like Gordon's narration saying Sorrow, Sorrow, mm-hmm. like once in each panel. And then Gordon says, eventually, it wasn't even just saying the name. He's, he's literally just describing the feeling. You know, it, it kind of yep. works both ways. And it was kind of a nice little... Uh, Mm-hmm. little thing uh, honestly Gordon's voice in this is pretty good like I, I like how early on uh, he talks about how Barbara like just knows when to send him a text saying she cares about him like you know yep. it's just, he's always on the brink of breaking down because of everything that's happened to him but yeah you know with his son with the city whatever it is uh, so I, I, I appreciated that yeah uh, but yeah just you know his his nightmare of it being you know the things that he's failed the city and what he thought, you know, you know, so that was the other thing that I took from it was the idea that you just can't throw knowledge, wealth and power at Gotham and expect it to, to fix things. Right. It takes more than that. And that's where he's kind of frustrated with, because like how, how can one man make a a change in Gotham? But Batman has, right. Like you can argue if it was for good or for bad, and that's what the best Batman stories kind of are. Yeah, I mean, me. obviously, the thing that's missing here in this list is empathy, mm-hmm. which is something that right. Batman and Gordon both have. Right. Um, and I think, you know, Gordon's seen this version of, like, people who don't have that and just have, mm-hmm. just want the others. Um, and not even that, they're not even earning the others. They're just trying no. to, like, you know, get them in a, a, a yeah. quick, you know, swoop. Because uh, he, he figures out, right, the, one, of the, one of the people... Um, she's the lady that starts coughing up the diamonds, mm-hmm. right? Is that how you took that too? Because I, I read this pretty late, so my brain wasn't at hundred <laughs> um, percent. But he he had figured out that she was maybe one of the people that had summoned these things. Oh yeah, so and, because she coughed up the diamonds, uh, mm-hmm. and he talks a few times in the issue about the rich versus the poor of Gotham, yep. mm-hmm. and it kind of comes back into it when he realizes that these diamonds lead it, it leads them to this particular woman mm-hmm. um, who lives in this like you know fancy apartment building, mm-hmm. and um, the other big thing towards the end of the issue that we've not really mentioned yet 
is that Gordon's hand starts cracking like it's made of mm-hmm. glass or like porcelain. And as we get further in the issue, and he's trying to stop the, you know, the evil bat demon thing, um, mm-hmm. the art here is gorgeous, but his hand uh-huh. starts to crack and smash more until he's almost lost it. And then eventually, you know, he does actually end up losing like a hand you know he's, he's, his leg starts to crack but he goes to see this woman Angelica and then there's diamonds all over the floor she starts coughing up diamonds um uh, and there's that great panel with the diamonds all coming out of her mouth um yeah, yeah. which actually yeah so I, I said that the diamonds tracked her down that's not true uh, no. the diamonds don't pop up until he gets to her uh but he tracks her down he there's a piece of evidence I can't remember what it was but something, yeah, I can't... something led yeah. him to her um and you know, he's trying to, you know, get her to cough up the diamonds not to speak because obviously mm-hmm. the diamonds are going to cut her throat, right? Uh, right? And when he tries to, like, help her to, like, pull the diamonds out of her mouth, she bites off his two fingers. Uh, so he's lost two fingers. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the end of the issue. He He's, like, sitting next to this woman who's now seemingly dead um, as the narration from the fifth dimensional being starts coming back in. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, Gordon says... Uh, you can't fall apart, old man. However much you want to, um, which again, the you know the, the obvious metaphor being like Gordon has to keep himself together all the time, mm-hmm. no matter all the chaos he's surrounded with. He's the straight man ultimately. Uh, and then the fifth dimensional being says, "Oh, but you can. We are glad to have given this gift to you, person of Gotham. You're the beginning to amuse us a little, at least." So it, that that felt very centerbite at the end. Was this like mm-hmm. being smelling with that narration next to it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say this might be the best single tie-in issue of the entire month. So far, yeah. Well, it's the last week, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I did like the Shazam one a lot. That one was, was pretty good. That was, pretty, that was probably second best. I think it's like, these two uh, by, by a mile. Th- th- this one feels like it actually has a story, though. Mm-hmm. And... It feels like it's saying something about how Gordon views himself and views Gotham and views the world. And because of that, it actually feels like a good short story on its own. The fact that it happens to be kind of in a nightmare almost feels like it... It's not irrelevant because obviously things are happening that wouldn't happen to him if it was like set in the, you know, the waking world. But it... Like, I don't know, it, just, it has an actual story. It doesn't just feel like it's going through a series of random events from Gordon's past, which I right. think is the big thing here. So many of these tie-ins are just, here's a couple of pages about this part of the character's origin. Here's a couple of pages about this part of their past. Uh, this isn't doing that. It's, you know, it's mentioned his past. It's relevant because it's happened to him, but it's actually mm-hmm. telling a story. And um, we've got these new characters who are interacting and playing with them. If anything, I'm just sad this is only going to be two issues because I'm not sure if you can have yeah. as good a satisfying conclusion to this as that maybe I've got in my head that in just one more issue. I'm not sure. I hope it is. Right. I hope I like it. Was Was Waters doing the backups with Gordon and Sorrow? I or was that Cy Spurrier? I think it was Spurrier. Yeah, I don't uh, think it was okay. Waters. Well, because jumping into there and, and the stuff with Sorrow and playing into that too, it feels, you know, like Detective Comics still, because it's still familiar. I appreciate it, though, until Gordon starts, like, cracking apart. There's nothing about it, this that says that it's a nightmare. I I, no. I think that's another big thing here, is that all the other ones immediately start doing weird things. Yeah. This actually sets up the foundation of the world that he's in and the mm-hmm. context of what this story is, and it it builds up before it starts to do anything weird. And I think that's a big part of it as well. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is easily the best tie-in uh, yeah. of any of them. Even even though it's it's got it's referencing the Bat Bunny thing, and I don't like that yeah. Bat Bunny robot suit. Yeah. I always hated it. But even with that, it's still the best tie-in. So. You have to appreciate how it's the villain in this. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would like to forget it ever happened, but every so often they like <laughs> to remind me the bastards. Yeah. Well, the next thing's going to be is, the, is the, the Batman making machine that Snyder set up, and then it'll get on my, my nerves because I hate that thing more than most things. Yeah, <clears throat> so... Yeah, honestly, it's a good horror issue because the mm-hmm. beings from the fifth dimension look really creepy. Uh, it feels like it's, you know, commenting on Gotham as well because it's talking about the, the one percenters and the poor. It's talking about how Gotham's weird and different because it's snowing in July and how no one even bats an eye at that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's doing a lot of stuff. Um, and then on top of all that, you've got a demonic version of both him and Batman as being the villain, which is the, you know, the fear that they've caused more harm than good, uh, you know, if yeah. nothing else, I think. So, yeah, this one's kind of good. Now, like, it doesn't save the event, obviously, but yeah. as a standalone thing, like, I- I'll probably wait to recommend it properly until I know what the second half is like, you know, and then Where I'd recommend the two issues, but... Yeah. issue one is very good and very promising so uh yeah uh, cool. you, you, you want to rate it matt yeah uh 7.5 honestly looking through it again as we talk about it i think i might even go as high as the eight which is okay which is basically saying like astronomical praise for one of these tie-ins uh mm-hmm. at this point uh okay action comics or sorry night terrors action comics issue one uh, Leah Williams uh, on the first story with Vasco Georgiev and the second story is Philip K. Johnson and the artist wasn't listed on Leah Comic Geek so I'll tell you when I get to the credits page gotcha. uh, but yeah so that, this was obviously two full size stories making up this uh, action mm-hmm. comics book um, and the first one I was just kind of eh on I didn't really feel much for it uh, this, this is the Power Girl story it- I, I like Leah Williams going through Power Girls, you know, her psychology still. And I just don't know what to make of the story because it's a little bit too ethereal, right? Where I, I credited the last one, Dan Waters' detective, for having that sense of etherealness. This one just kept jumping around so much, like a dream within a dream within a dream. Yeah, like, like a lot of the uh, the tie-ins have yeah. been doing. And th- this one has something slightly... It's got like a framing device mm-hmm. where it's like she's in like a... Like a Matrix kind of... Um, she's she's, she's like, in like a, a pod, and every time yeah. the dream changes, we get... Or not every time, but a few of the times in the issue, we mm-hmm. get like a, a panel or a page where she's in this pod asleep and the computer's saying reset and you mm-hmm. see some green lasers or whatever. So it feels like in the real world, she's in some sort of thing that's maybe influencing her dreams Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. Um, and, and so she keeps, you know, going back to Omen and then you think that Omen's on her side, but then in one dream, Omen, you know, is responsible for whatever experiment's going on, you know. But yeah, it did, it did the what the other ones are doing of jumping around a lot and, you know, not in a good way. But I will say, uh, Yorgiev's art is, I'm a big fan of, um, the clean lines and, you know, how it, how yeah. it plays some of the, how it plays with some of the panel breakdowns 
for the nightmare stuff put me on a little bit on edge they are pretty yeah they are pretty good the coloring i, I liked as well it definitely yeah. stuck out to me because i i dropped the power girl backups and whatever yeah. because i didn't like the art uh back yeah. when they were a thing um so that was an interesting look but I, honestly the fact that i didn't keep up with those though probably meant i wasn't yeah. as attached to this power girl mm-hmm. so that also didn't help my enjoyment of this yeah so like i you know like i like lee williams voice for power girl and as she's going through this and dealing with, you know, her own doubts and like it feels like she still can't trust people. You're right. And that's where the dreams are coming from. Even her best friend, Omen. Uh, and, yeah. you know, because that's, that's where it ends. That said, though, we do get Streaky the Cat blasting heat vision through Omen's mm-hmm. stomach and making a big right? hole. I did enjoy that page yep. just for... Of course. Just, just for the, the sheer visceral violence oh, of it. Uh, and you love Streaky. Yes. So... I, I do enjoy yeah. some cat antics. Yes. Um, but the, yeah, the final page, like, this is one of these ones where the cliffhanger just annoyed me because it's like, yeah. oh, Omen's actually like part of the evil program that's controlling the dreams and the final page is Omen using like, almost like Matrix code from her fingers, like mm-hmm. puppet strings on Power Girl and it yeah. says program restart and I'm like, okay, I guess that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really... like. I didn't really enjoy a lot of the scenes, though, even mm-hmm. though I, I think they were well enough, like, written and whatever, mm-hmm. but they just suffer the same problem a lot of these nightmares. So oh, it, night terrors. It, it's a night terrors problem. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not the worst of the tie-ins, mm-hmm. but it's far from the best one. It's kind of right in the middle yeah. of I'm, them. I'm not dreading reading part two. Like, I'm not dreading to see where this one goes like I am with some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, what's funny is that I might read uh, part two of that Purely because I actually like the second half of this. Uh, Johnson's on a different level here. Don't get me wrong. It does go a little too Night Towers towards the end. But a lot of this story is the super family, not including a lot of the main ones, actually. So it's the the two kids. It's Otho and Ozil. And it's uh, Connor, Keenan, you know, New Superman, and Natasha Irons, and they're mm-hmm. watching a horror movie. It's not a real horror movie. I was trying to figure yeah. it out, but it was very clear after a bit. That when they were saying Danny, I'm like, are they watching The Shining? That's what I thought. And then you see yeah. like uh, someone with a chainsaw on the yeah. screen. And I'm like, okay, all right. so it's just the, they're, they're just mixing things. They're not. And, and Natasha being like, should the kids be watching this? And Connor doing the, which on, I've said before when my nieces are around, I was like, oh, they'll learn soon enough. This is an American classic. Even look at look at Keenan. Keenan's learning, you know, and he goes, "Yeah, Keenan, show him what you learned." And all he says is "chainsaw," mm-hmm. "final girl," and just the you know these horror movie terms. I thought was funny. And also, um, uh, "don't split up." I think was the other one. Yeah, and uh, don't split up. Uh, just before we move on, the artist on this story uh, was Miko Soyan and Fiko Ozio. Okay. So um, okay, I'm not super familiar with those names. I did quite like the art though. Like, honestly, I could have just went an issue with them watching a scary movie together and just commenting on it. <laughs> like. <laughs> 100 percent was... I, I, yeah i that was for me that was the fun that said mm-hmm. though i did also enjoy the kids getting scared um well, afterwards it, yeah because these you know these kids were were you know raised on war world right and they have a whole different version of horror and you know it's not necessarily the chainsaw guy that scares them right it's the idea of cyborg superman being able to you know that, that chainsaw kind of representing uh and reminding them of, of cyborg superman and how that he attacked them even from the Phantom Zone, and they'll never feel safe. And so I do like that that vibe that goes through uh, Osol and, and Ortho uh, yeah. as, as this plays out. 
yeah, the boy wakes up uh, dreaming of, uh, you know, Cyborg Superman, mm -hmm. and gets up and starts wandering around. And Kalex, who's there, is mm -hmm. looking a bit suspicious. Like you see Kalex watching one of them, mm -hmm. uh, Connor specifically, and starts quoting the movie <laughs> yeah. that we're watching. And then we get some proper. It was very close encounters, actually, of like uh, you know the boy walking down the hall and there's the, the red light and the you know it reminded uh -huh. me a lot of that scene in Close Encounters where the the lights of the ship are outside. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought the art here was great with him like creaking the door open and looking in. Yep. You know, as far as just being like a horror issue goes, like I thought this had a lot of fun stuff. You know, you, you set yep. up the tone and have some fun with them watching the horror movie, and then you actually have some good creepy art of like one of the kids walking about when everyone mm -hmm. else is asleep, being scared. Um, and then you've got. The big thing that happens is uh, Connor Kent's been turned into some weird cyborg Superman villain. Cyborg Superboy. Is that what or cyborg Superboy. That's a good name, actually. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, and he starts, you know, talking all evil and jumping around. But then he disappears and everyone else wakes up. And yep. they're like, what's going on? He's like, oh, th there was Connor. And he, he was like, cyborg Superman. Mm -hmm. And then they don't really believe him. But then they notice outside that the world has turned into a nightmare world where there's fire everywhere, there's mm -hmm. bloody Superman symbols all over the place, and they're like, wait, this can't be real. And then the TV starts acting up, and Cyborg Superman comes out of the TV uh, looking all, like, funky. Like, he's... It He's especially a cyborg now. He's, he's got yes. like one bit of a human face and then the rest of it's just Terminator with a Superman logo. Yeah, it, it's like Freddy Krueger meets Terminator, right? Yeah. So, so. But, yeah, basically they're saying that because we're in like this shared nightmare now, mm -hmm. uh, which by the way, like I will critique slightly here that we're playing quite fast and loose, but it was this in Titans, which we're going to talk about in a bit, where why is it some people who are in teams are dreaming together and yet all the single character books are all just them on there? Like, it's just, it's very wishy-washy. When I got to this point after I had read Titans, I thought the same exact yeah. thing. Oh, so like, I just, you know. Like, I, I get it in a, as, as, as a hurdle to jump as you're writing, but also we need some internal logic here. Yeah. You know? It just feels like we can make it up wherever we want as it goes. Um right. And so, yeah, the last couple of pages are my least favorite because it's just like a huge, like, you know, cyborg Superman fighting people. And, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, you've got evil crypto at the end as well, uh, which is a cliffhanger. But, mm -hmm. um, so, last couple of pages I wasn't in love with, which does make me a little worried if issue two is just more of that. But the majority of this Philip K. Johnson story is just a stand. Like, I, I almost, like, didn't like it when they looked outside and the world had changed. I was yeah. like, you know what? Just just have this be in the real world and have a fun horror story. Like, I don't, yep. I don't need the nightmare stuff. <laughs> yep. But, I'm, yeah. I'm there. yeah. So, but regardless, yeah. like, I would say 90% of this story I actually really liked. It just dips a bit at the end with just the typical action bollocks that doesn't mean much. Yeah. When I sit around watching horror movies, I, it's like a super family. And again, we don't, we haven't gotten that really until Philip Kennedy Johnson. And it's, you know, and it's probably, you know, with, with all due respect to them, it's kind of the C-list members of the family, which yeah. made it a bit more fun. Yeah. So, you know, it's not Supergirl and, and Superman and, and John, them. yeah, which John but, Lois. Not that I would complain if any of them were there, but. No, you know. but. I do like when it's just these ones and you know, they can tell the story and, but yeah, I was like, damn, he's working on a whole different level. Cause this also works with that whole super family side quest with the Camelot stuff. Also you know? the idea as well that, uh, 
Connor and Keenan are kind of becoming friends and just having mm-hmm. some moments with them, like joking around is nice. Here, Connor, the fact too that him and Natasha seem to be really friendly too, because you know, in those backups that I really wasn't enjoying mm. uh, from from Steel, they were kind of the highlight of those those two working together. So the fact that Connor's getting some friends that are outside the Young Justice kids, I appreciate. Yeah. Um, so. It's yeah, man. He just he's operating on a different level until you get to the night terror stuff. Yeah, like, oh yeah. It's like, he's kind of constrained. Like I don't hate the idea of like all the like mechanical devices like coming turning mm-hmm. into like transformers but, and coming after them. But the it's also cracked me up. But it's right? also quite silly, and like I was kind yeah. of enjoying how not silly it was up until that yeah. point. So yeah. you know, the night terror is part of it that sort of creeps in those last few pages is a bit of a shame. Yeah. But I did like the rest of it. I will mm-hmm. mark it down a little bit for that. Um, as two artists, I did think both art styles worked together, though. I don't mm-hmm. think there was, like, a jarring shift to me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Fico Osio worked on Hawkman, too, because okay. that name okay. seems familiar. So, um, and then Miko, what was it, Suhian? Suhikan? I'm not looking at it, uh, but that sounds right. Yeah. You know, those are both names that I, I've heard before and I'm pretty sure I enjoy. So, them working together, it seems like, in, in melding the styles where we didn't notice too much. I'll be honest. I didn't realize it was too, too artists until you said something. I don't think I did either until I looked so, at the names. Yeah. So, but, um, so props on that, but yeah, um, this one was, was the highlight of the action comics. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying the Leah Williams power girl stuff. It just, that seemed kind of like a throwaway story. Whereas I feel like here, uh, oh, yeah. Philip, Kennedy, Philip uh, Kennedy Johnson was like, sure. It might be a throwaway story because the night terrors, but I'm going to do something that's family make it yeah he's chosen this to give us some nice little moments between some characters mm-hmm. who don't get as much time month yeah. to month which is nice but let's make it clear just that's something you said there is that yeah. my critiques of that power girl story is really not saying anything about the ongoing power girl stuff no uh, just like the green lantern night terrors issue being garbage is not a comment on that run it's just yeah you know they're just being night terrors tie-ins and unfortunately that yeah. just yeah. And that, that stinks because I got excited when I saw it was Aaliyah Williams. Like, I was wondering if it, what um, Philip County Johnson was going to do here um, because, you know, Tom Taylor really hasn't touched Night Terrors um, through, through Nightwing and his other books. So, no, uh, no, see, no, no Taylor, no King, no Ram V mm-hmm. on any of these. Right. Right. And so to see that Johnson took that, because I'm sure maybe in my head, I feel like they were given the option and I feel like Johnson's like, I could tell like a, a horror story in a backup style uh, tale. So, but no, yeah, the fact that I enjoyed the Leah Williams stuff before this, it's kind of a bummer that the story didn't add up to much, uh, especially because of how it was playing with the dream world beforehand mm-hmm. versus what Johnson does here by using the established family dynamics to tell a story of the family. Um, but yeah, again, I said a different level. I, happy that the story exists all right what are you written uh night terrors action comics i'll give this an eight and that's mainly for the for the uh, super family story see if i was doing just a super family story on its own i'd probably mm-hmm. go 7.5 because those last few pages mm-hmm. drag it down but because i have to like pair it with the other one it's yeah. so i'm saying that so people know how i felt about that that second story but if I have to rate it overall, then I probably have to go with like a six because I do think that first one drags it down significantly. So, you know, take that for, for what you will. But, uh, mm-hmm. 
yeah i, I did enjoy the, the the johnson story by and large though uh so cool uh, before we move on though uh them watching their fake horror movie reminded me matt have you watched the 1988 version of the blob yet i have not is it streaming anywhere because i'll have, make it a priority i have no idea but okay. I, I i implore you to do it i thought it of it because there's a scene in that movie where mm-hmm. some kids have snuck into a slasher film that is mm-hmm. a knockoff friday the 13th and it has one of the funniest lines i have ever heard in a movie <laughs> the so i movie. had it during october it was it was in my queue on one of the streaming services, mm. and I went to watch it, and it was gone. They had moved it. Um, now, unfortunately, it's only for rental right now. But well, rent it. It's worth it. Yes. You'll maybe. thank me. Yeah. I did watch the original one a couple of years ago off of your recommendation, and I did enjoy it. The original's fun, but mm-hmm. the AA version is, like, yes. so good. It is so much yep, yep. better. Um, anywho, there you go. That's uh, Nate Terror's Action Comics. Night Terrors Titans issue one. Andrew Constant with Scott Goodlewski on art. Um, eh, eh, <laughs> like, uh, not enough start. You know, look, there's there's two characters that I fan out for on this show mm-hmm. that I, I catch flack for a lot. And one of them used to be Connor Kent too, but it's it's Poison Ivy, right? It's Pam, and it's Starfire. Uh huh. This this issue did not have enough Starfire. Right. Well, I, I think my so my issues there's a few issues I have with this book. The, the premise mm-hmm. of this is that a woman who I actually thought was Raven at the start of the book, bro, uh, so did I. Yeah, I was like, this this has to be Rachel. Yeah, right? it's not Raven. It's it's her human side, right? Yeah, it's she's, she's somehow yeah. unaffected by the night terrors. She right? doesn't have like her current hairstyle, but I still just thought it was Raven because yeah. I was like, who else could it be? And then later yeah. on in the book, it's like, oh no, Raven's talking. Like there's a voice talking to her in her head, and later on we find out that's Raven. And I'm like, wait, is this like some sort of weird thing where Raven's talking to herself? And I still think yeah. it may turn out to be that. But yeah. as of right now, this is a mysterious young woman who for some reason yeah. is trapped in this nightmare version of titan's tower and mm-hmm. freeing all of the titans who are all trapped and they're all sort of like basically what is it they're all saying to themselves i this is all that i am this is all that i yeah. am that's all they're saying to themselves so they go to yeah. like cyborg first and he's all like linked up to cables and metal yeah. bits and stuff buried underneath it and yeah. the young woman pulls out a mirror which she conjures with magic which again made me think raven uh and she holds the mirror up to Cyborg, which snaps him out of it, and he remembers who he is. Well, mm-hmm. kind of. He doesn't remember everything, but he remembers enough. And then he's with her, and they go looking for the next person. And the big problem with this issue is that it's that over. And like, yep. we, we just do it with like, we, we do it with them, we do it with Starfire, they, we do it with uh, Beast Boy, ultimately. Uh-huh. The Beast Boy one, I thought that was, I mean, had they skipped through some of the other ones, I got to the Beast Boy one. I thought that one was was a nice, you know, we we got to unpack oh. a bit with him. Also, you know, the opening of the issue, the reason why I immediately thought it was Raven is because when she bursts through the floor, uh, mm-hmm. it's all purple. So I thought yeah. it was I thought it was color coding for me. I was like, this is Raven. So, so maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is Rachel, right? Her her human side. Yeah. The the non Trigon daughter side, um, you know, and she's she's unaffected because of magic. Yeah, I think the weird thing about this, though, is that I just immediately assumed it was her. So then the book tried to pretend that it wasn't at all. It yeah. was, like, weird. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, mm-hmm. why are we pretending this isn't her? And then yeah. it's like, okay. Well, no, and, the, and the hairstyle made me think of Donna Troy, too. Yeah, right? but then we find Donna Troy. But we see Donna Troy yeah. and going through there. And, yeah. And, I, I mean, I think it was pretty cool with, the with you know, them, them creating the hallways and, you know, 
creating their way out was a nice little touch. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was too repetitive. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the art's not bad though. Uh, the no, art's... it's, it's called Lusky, yeah. who we're familiar with from, from John Kent and, uh, super, I think super sons. Yeah. So... Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. He's just mm -hmm. got a fun cartoony style, which yep. kind of works. Uh, they do eventually just sort of rip their, like a, they tear the wall basically with like, yeah. she uses a piece of the mirror she had that smashed at one point yeah. and just tears like a hole out into like a field. And that's when they run into like a spirit or raven who's like, yeah, I've been helping you. We don't have time to explain everything. We're trapped in the nightmare of this. And I thought it was going to reveal a character, mm -hmm. but then it was just like the Titan's Tower looking all evil. <laughs> no, because that, that was based off of the... Um... Based off of the the cover of the of the tower looking all evil, you know. So yeah. I figured that would, that would play in a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, but I thought because obviously, like I, I thought it was gonna be like, oh, we're in Dick Grayson's nightmare. Like his nightmare yeah. is the one that's doing it all because we don't we don't meet him in the issue. And I thought that's where they were right. going with it, but they uh, don't. So no, he's too busy in Arkham teaming up with the Scarecrow right now. I, yeah, I guess for some reason the rest of the Titans are all nightmaring together as besties, yeah. but Nightwing's on his own. I, who you would think, just their links together, that would have been the story for Nightwing. And, and the answer, of course, is that it's because Nightwing has a book, and that's why he's not in this team book, because it, they, for some mm -hmm. reason they think it wouldn't make sense for having him in both, which is fine, but yep. it just makes it feel like the rules of how this works is yeah. just nonsense. Which is the big problem with doing so much Nightmare stuff, is that it feels like they can all just make up whatever shit they want, and mm -hmm. never set anything up and pay it off, which is how I feel yeah. in most of these tie-ins. So, not the worst tie-in, but I, I don't have a lot of positive things to say either, really. Yeah, me neither. Um, except, not, I mean, not positive, but, you know. You know, we, we had this multiple-page stuff to get Cyborg out, when it's yeah. just more of stuff that they've done with Cyborg so many times, of him not being the machine, and him not, you know. Yeah, we had this whole issue last week of the Tales of the Titans, was Starfire not wanting to be a princess and not being, right? Mm. And yet she just gets one panel of her acting, I guess, like a despot or whatever. And, you know, th there's nothing there for her. So yeah. a little bit bummed out on that. But that's, yeah. that's personal. That is another, neither here nor there with anybody yeah. else. I mean, I was looking ahead to next week, and I think there's, there's one that I won't read that I read last time. And I think that'll probably be true for most weeks. And I think for this week, it'll probably be Titans Night Terrors that I don't bother with next month. If I, if I was to guess. Because uh, Detective obviously was good. Action had half of it I thought was quite good. Mm -hmm. um, so I suspect that Titans is the one that I'll probably drop next month and make room to, I don't know, whatever else. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, what were you rating Night Terrors Titans? Um, I'll give this a six. Mm. Yeah, they are pretty good. There's mm -hmm. a couple of fun pages, I guess. Uh... Yeah, I'll go five. I'll go five. So there you go. Uh, Night Terrors is over for the week, but we do have one other book to talk mm -hmm. about. Uh, it is the new Black Label Mark Wade book. It is Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor. Mark Wade writing with Brian Hitch on the art. And this is a spiritual kind of follow-up to Birthright. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's about Lex Luthor going to Superman for help. Of, of course, he does it in the most Lex Luthor way possible. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but he goes to Lex Luthor, uh, to Superman for help because he's dying. Um, and this mm -hmm. is something that I've seen in other stories before, is basically mm -hmm. Lex messing with kryptonite too much has, has led to him dying uh, like he's got cancer. 
So Superman, of course, isn't going to refuse despite the fact that Lex is a piece of shit because he's Superman. Um, there's a little twist there, though, where uh, Lex has broadcast this conversation to the world because he wants everyone to hate him for helping Lex because everyone uh-huh. hates Lex. And I'm like, you devious bastard. It's genius. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, too, that he's, he's making it like, uh, you know, Superman is in a rock and a hard place, right? Because, of course, he's going to help him. But now the whole world knows that he's going to help him. It's yeah. not like he can do it on the slide. So, so there's you know. two things that this book effectively does after that point is you've got the present-day stuff where Superman's trying different things to help him, and you've got an extended flashback portion of uh, them as teenagers in Smallville mm-hmm. and some stuff there. And there's a, couple, there's, a, there's a brief glimpse at the start and the end of this tragic fire that obviously Clark feels guilty about uh, with yep. Lex, which we're obviously building up to in the flashbacks. And also it seems like Clark is writing an article uh, about the final days of Lex Luthor. Uh, mm-hmm. without revealing exactly how it's going to end yet. So, uh, and there's actually, there's a really neat transition in there, actually, of the article text, which has been used as narration, transitioning uh-huh. to, like, real-time Superman narration. I thought that was cool, where it, yeah. like, you see, like, the one box over the other box, and it kind of, like, just follows on, as if, it's, okay, now we're in the live narration right. of the time, as opposed to it, Clark writing it, later on. Yeah, it jumps from him talking about Superman in the third person to I. Yeah, yeah that's real cool. I like that. Um, yeah, so uh, that's a neat little technique. Um, so we'll, we'll get into the specifics of like what the mm-hmm. two main plot threads are after that point. But uh, what was mm-hmm. your feeling overall with this? I, I like it. I mean, Mark Waid and Superman, Birthright's one of my favorite stories of all time. In fact, I might say it is my favorite. Um, and so it just, it already has that vibe. It's it's just not with the, you know, the Lionel U. Um art now it, it's switched over to hitch which is a bit of a shame i do think yeah. brian hitch like i think he has panels that are cl- i think when he does a close-up on a face he tends to be quite good but mm-hmm. when he has like any kind of body <laughs> like like there's so many panels in this where superman's like his arm up or he's like mm-hmm. standing weird or it, it's very uh, posed yeah there's just there's, i don't think he, he draws the body that well and yeah. that, that's a bit uh, of a shame but the action does flow pretty well too like it's no the secret even even the opening page where it's like clark mm-hmm. writing the article and he leaves his yeah. glasses on the desk the, the actual yeah. sequencing of that is quite good yeah so uh but yeah so a little a little bit disappointing that it wasn't you we couldn't couldn't get that team up to to reconvene but it is you know a very superman story in that you know of course superman's gonna help lex you know and that superman believes in the impossible right he does the impossible therefore nothing's impossible and then we got lex who not to say that he's hopeless right but he seems like he's out of options because he can't figure this out um and when we get the stories that when they start reflecting on one another the the you know the young clark and lex you know and their uneasy friendship with the uneasy partnership of superman and lex um they they echo each other really well and like mark wade's really good at this that that's what i came out of this issue with yeah, I mean, I think it's got one thing going against it for me, which is the personal mm-hmm. taste thing, is that I... Clark and Lex knowing each other as teenagers in Smallville is not my preferred backstory for Lex. I thought you were a big Smallville the TV show fan, Pete. Piss off, you heathen. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's not my preferred thing. Obviously, it's better than the Smallville TV show. I'm not going to say otherwise sure. to that. But... I just don't think Lex Luthor needs this. I think Lex's like power as a character is so potent. The idea that he's just this powerful man 
who's independent from Superman, who when Superman like invades his world, right, by appearing to the mm-hmm. public. Yeah. I think there's so much power in that and it makes him such a fascinating character that I don't think you need to like see them into the backstory and you know ghost maker them effectively <laughs> which and don't get me wrong this this has been done before this is this is not just a way thing you know like i mean it, this goes back to the silver age yeah. of lex going be you know having it depending on who's telling the story it was punishment for you know messing around so he got sent to this podunk little town yeah it just happened by chance to be where Clark i Kent i just prefer a lex that doesn't meet him until you know he's superman right in adulthood yeah i mean again like you said it's a personal taste thing yeah i I can take either or one of my favorite things is i think it's from superman for all seasons it's jeff Loeb's uh narration about lex luther is like lex luther was gonna be mankind's greatest hero until the alien showed up right it's just like his ego can't handle the existence of superman in metropolis and it completely flips him Mm. right and to me that's such a such a powerful image of lex luther and John's played with this a little bit in Superboy when, you know, Lex could, you know, cure cancer, but he doesn't because what does he gain from that? Right. Uh, it plays with that with the ego side of Lex. And I feel like Wade plays with that here as well. So, I mean, I feel like I'm getting it from from both sides. So I'm going to be happy regardless. Um, yeah, um, I, I, just, I think it's worth mentioning just my feelings on that before mm-hmm. we go any further with it. I. Uh, that said, though, I do think this is a really well-written issue. I think the voice for Superman is great, uh, as mm-hmm. Wade usually does. You know, he's got his own little quirks that you know mm-hmm. probably come from other places, but I associate it with Wade, which is when he's doing his his narration as Superman, he does kind of sometimes refer to something Clark Kent did in the third mm-hmm. person, as if yep. he's talking about a different persona. Um, I don't know if I would do that, but it's definitely something that sticks out when I, I notice Wade mm-hmm. writing him. Um, yeah. It does feel like it's harkening back to that birthright kind of like feeling. It feels kind of like it is a sequel to that, you know, at the other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum. Um, so that's that's all all solid stuff. Um, you know, I think while I have my reservations about young Lex and Clark knowing each other, mm-hmm. I actually think a lot of those scenes are some of the best scenes in the book because of, mm-hmm. you know, young Clark struggling and wanting to like get involved and not being able to tell him anything. Um, trying with this little asshole that he shouldn't really be trying with because mm-hmm. young Lex is a dick, but he tries anyway. But, you know, he relates to him because he feels like an outsider, and sure enough, what does Clark feel like? He feels like an outsider. And that's right, and that's that empathy that makes Superman Superman. Yeah, it's, so... He, he wants to connect with them, but he doesn't know how else to do it because it's not like he can tell him. Mm. Because if you say that Lex is an outsider, Lex is going to be upset. And one of the lines that struck me the biggest was, is I think it's younger Clark talking about Lex and he says that, you know, he has all this room for all this intelligence, but he has zero emotional intelligence. Hmm. You know, it's because he always has to be the smartest guy in the room. And he goes and there's a scene where he's talking about this, where he goes to fix one of the guys in Smallville's tractor because the exhaust is leaking. And he just, without being asked, he just starts tearing apart this dude's tractor and the dude, you know, gets upset with him. He goes, oh, you know, I'm trying to help you. Well, you know, this town just hates me. And it's just like this, you know, shitty little kid. And you're like, of course that's who Lex Luthor was. But Lex or Lex, um, Superman or Clark, young Clark sees that Lex does mean well. He just doesn't know how to go about it because no one's ever shown him, you know? 
Um, yeah, and that, that's Lex basically you know. always thinks he knows better, right? Mm-hmm. And that he, what he's going to do is the right thing, and everyone should just be mm-hmm. thankful that he's he's yeah. blessing them with his expertise. Um, so, and, it, and to me, that reflects across the later story when you know whatever this disease is that's eating him alive, you know, this cancer, whatever it is, you know, it's the fact like for once he doesn't know best right everything that he's tried doesn't work so he's exhausted all his options that's why he's coming to superman you know yeah Uh, i I think by contrast the stuff that's in present day where clark brings him to the fortress mm -hmm. uh takes him to the bottle city of candor thinking well if you you've already tried all the earth ways of trying to fix Mm -hmm. this obviously so let's try something outside of that spectrum Mm -hmm. so it takes him to the bottle city of candor and for i I did think though because the superman keeps kind of I wouldn't say joking, but he keeps kind of saying, mm-hmm. hey, if this is a trap, Lex, or something to double-cross me with, uh, now's the time. Um, yeah. you know, he says that a few times, something like that, and I kind of chuckled because I'm like, you know, you sort of showing and taking Lex to the fortress and showing him Kandor feels mm-hmm. like this is a lot. If you somehow save him, he's got a lot of new intel on you that yeah. you, you didn't have before. True, you know. So, well, it's also him going like, "Hey, if this is your time to take a punch, take a punch." But you, you know, know I, I, just, I have no powers here. Like, if this know? turns out that Lex's master plan was just to find out a lot of his secrets, yeah. then I feel yeah. like he's doing a good job of it. Yeah, but I also feel like Wade's writing writing him with such a desperation, like that he really doesn't know what to do. Mm. Like maybe this started as, "Yeah, I'm going to pretend that I'm sick," and then he couldn't find a way out. Like well, maybe that's yeah. what it ends I mean, up being. We know right? he's not faking because Superman, yeah. you know does all the, and the tests and whatnot yeah, but, but so you know the big thing here is that, like okay even freezing you won't work this thing's like affecting your specific dna it won't spread mm-hmm. to anyone which is great right. but it's affecting you specifically and even freezing you won't work and then mm-hmm. superman has the idea that the phantom zone because of the way it changes you and this is something that changed... Like, every single interpretation of the Phantom Zone is different, I feel like. So this yeah. is like Wade saying, okay, this is this is my version of the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. It follows these rules. Um, and we see Zod briefly even, and they try to have a revolt against Superman. Uh, and eventually Zod's pissed that Lex won't try and kill Superman. And Lex said, no, I need him just now. Once I'm saved, I'll help yeah. you happy. You know, we could be the best of friends. I hate yeah. this prick. But... I love that so much because it was, <laughs> it, it was just like, I know you don't like Step Brothers, the movie, right? But there's a line where mm-hmm. before you meet, um, before you meet Adam Scott's character, where, uh, where Will Ferrell is like, yeah, you're not going to like my brother. He's an even bigger a-hole than you are, you know? And that's what it gets me with Zod and Lex. That's their relationship is like, we don't like each other, but we dislike him more than we don't like each other. Yeah. Um, I think all this stuff, I liked less than the uh, Smallville stuff because just purely because it, it went in a little bit into that Mark Wade thing that he's guilty of sometimes of just having all these um, like things he has to explain of like, okay, this is yeah. how the Phantom Zone works and this is why this can't work and this is why this can't... And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, all right, all right. Yeah, all- I, I can excuse that a little bit because it is through Lex explaining. Like, I, I know when we start getting into the sciencey things of how the Phantom Zone works, I just took that as... That's Lex showing off how smart he is. It's, it's the same yeah. earlier on in the issue because uh, you know Lex's whole thing to like get Superman's attention yeah. is he uses his giant crab robot thing to like yeah. basically threaten to destroy this little island, and mm-hmm. Superman comes in and has to save all the people on the island, and he 
he does it at one point because this island's so low in sea level that if it has like a bad earthquake it might just flood and that's it gone mm-hmm. forever and he there's some tremors so there's a couple of pages where superman flies underground and creates echo chambers to counteract yeah. the tremors under and he, like, there's so much explanation for this and i'm oh. like a little bit much. Yeah, like, seriously. Yeah. Like, Wade, I love your writing. I do. Mm-hmm. But may- maybe you could have just well, made this simpler. <laughs> you know, and the people call me hypocrite if I don't call it out, but this is because Superman. It kind of is, and, yeah. It's like, yeah. The, so, because Superman, yeah. That's exactly what it is. And, and I don't like it here either. You know, I can uh, just excuse it for the stuff that happens later, you know. Um, but like Pete was saying, the, the Smallville stuff is so strong when we when we get to there and we see you know young clark's empathy you know again talk, i was talking about echoes earlier just like when he's creating these echo chambers to save these people that are just collateral to lex luther right that's how he sees the people of smallville too they're just people that are in his way or people that you know he can use to get uh what he wants and it, you kind of feel this frustration through clark you know that like he's never going to learn you know, why do I waste my time? But I waste my time because it's the right thing to do. And that conversation that uh, Clark has with Mom Pock and about Lex really solidified that for me. Yeah. Um, I also liked Clark using his supervision to watch a movie at the drive-in uh, yeah. through the wall, you know, from miles away. I was going to say, <laughs> but it is sound as well. And I thought, I can probably hear it as well. <laughs> yeah. He's super bad. He's probably hearing mm-hmm. it as well. Uh, there. So a big Warner Brothers logo, which obviously, yeah. you know, I'm very, sure they can get away with that. <laughs> very funny. But yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's really good. Mark Wade. It's, it's what I've wanted from him, you know, back at DC when he finally came back. Cause he ne- never really worked on Superman himself. It was, you know, he, he wrote justice league and he wrote other issues of things where Superman was, but you know, when he finally got to write birthright and got to do his version of Superman, it just really clicked with me. And so now that he's getting to tell this, and it's like the, you know, Lex Luthor's last story, um, and it does it does well, feel permanent. Well, we don't know that. I, I, I think that's up in there. Yeah, but to me, it does. It feels like the end game of this is like Lex Luthor realizing like you can't outsmart death. You know that one one day he's going to cease to exist, and Superman's still going to be there. And how does Lex's until ego... we read the final issue and I see a corpse. I don't believe yeah. a goddamn well, thing. Because I was like, well, he can't clone himself because it's in his DNA, right? So we can't use the, you know, the, uh, what was it, Alexander Luther clone that popped up in uh, Death of Superman. So, you know, we can't pull him out of time. We can't, you know, I'm trying to think of all these comic book things that we could. And I just, you know, I feel like this is that story. It's it's Lex's ruminations of death. Um, but, you know, Wade can always just throw a curveball. As long as the story's told well, I'm here for the ride. But I really enjoyed this. Like this was a really, really, really solid outing. The uh, the overall feel of it is quite good. I like the tone. I like Clark kind of ruminating and like faced with this conflict of helping someone who is just completely awful and the awful person banking on the fact that he's going to feel he has to help him. Yep. Uh, the final page is you know the the scientist river is in Candor saying, "Why are you going to so much trouble to help this guy?" And that's when it cuts back to that that thing we saw at the start of the issue again, which mm-hmm. is uh, Clark looking at this window as there's a fire. Uh, presumably where Lex lost his hair, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be my guess. So, 
Um, you know, so, you know it, it, I like that as the final page because it doesn't reveal anything new. Because uh, mm-hmm. we we actually already saw a glimpse of this earlier on the issue. This doesn't use the final page to be like, "Whoa, cliffhanger!" This uses the final page to be like, "This is to like tie in a bow what the emotional point of the story is. This is what we want you to be thinking about going into issue two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it didn't try and do the oh, there's a big new threat. What will happen next time? Because we get that all the time in comics, and fundamentally, yeah. most of them don't mean anything because it's just ah, they'll deal with it in a couple of pages. It's fine. Whereas mm-hmm. this is not something you can deal with in a page. This is something that the entire rest of the story has to deal with. So this actually feels like a stronger ending to me than some just does a big threat cliffhanger. So, yeah. you know. Uh, anyway, what are you rating Last Days of Lex Luthor issue one? I'm going to go with a nine. I'm going to go with an eight. Um, okay. A little bit lower, mainly because I think Brian Hitch's art is... It's got its faults. You know, like, the mm-hmm. layouts are good, some some close-ups of faces are really great, but I do think he has a problem with when he's drawn a full body. Um, and that, that rears its ugly head a few times and also you know fundamentally I prefer uh, Lex and Clark not to know each other <laughs> before mm-hmm. before Metropolis uh, but in the context of what it's doing with that it's actually quite good and it's actually the best part of the issue uh, shockingly so uh, but it's good I'm glad it's here and I'm looking forward to issue 2 I, I don't know why I just wrote down this was issue 8 it was issue it's cause that was my rating <laughs> that was my rating that's what it was I typed yeah. in my rating yeah that's funny anyway there you go. Mm-hmm. That is the final book, which will take us out the part of the show where we pick our favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. And oh boy, uh, <laughs> which means, which and that's I read five books, which means I have to put them all on it, which is unfortunate. Uh, Matt, what was your panel mm-hmm. slash moment of the week? So there's a couple in, in Last Days of Lex Luthor. The Superman, when they get to the Phantom Zone, he tells Lex, hey, do you want to take a swing at me? Knowing that Lex can't because it's the Phantom Zone, that that, that was pretty good. Um, a lot of the Smallville stuff with, you know, with Clark, you know, keeping an eye on Lex as he's going about was there. But uh, mine's going to be from the Philip Kennedy Johnson uh, action comic story. And it's going to be, you know, Keenan talking about, you know, the stuff that he's learned, right? Him and Connor. So when he mentions Chainsaw, Final Girl, you know, don't split up. It was, you know, kind of right in my niche, right? So that that's mine. Yeah, I don't... I think I'll go with uh, Keenan saying what he's learned from the horror movie. Like what yeah. English he's picked up. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, it's just because it was really fun. Art was good. It was a nice moment. Uh, mm-hmm. I can relate to watching horror movies. So it's, not, it's, it's nice to <laughs> bring the super family down to my level. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with that. Um, mm-hmm. All right, cover of the week. Uh, I don't know if you got any pictures. So out. yeah, as we've been talking, I've been clicking around and looking, um, and and ugh, there's some good for detective, right? It's Federici and and that. But last days of Lex Luthor had a murderer's row. They have a, a Somni Superman that just looks like classic Dini Adventures of Superman. Oh, they got Doc Shanner as well. But that's my pick is the Doc Shaner. You know, it's it's Lex looking very worried, both Superman outside the window, you know, and you can't see Superman's face. It's just, you know, kind of neck down. And you just feel Superman's presence over, uh, you know, uh, an upset Lex. And it's and Shaner's, Shaner's at a different level. Yeah. Um, I quite like the main cover for action. 
which mm-hmm. is uh, like a horror cover with Henshaw coming through the door with. Uh, it's actually yeah, it's, it's actually Power Girl that's there on yeah. the uh, the front, which I guess is just kind of connecting both stories. But I think it's a mm-hmm. cool image. Um, other than that, I'm just looking to see some of these other ones. I've not had a good chance to look at them yet. Um, gotcha. Uh, see if anything sticks out. Oh, there's a Matina cover of the. Oh, that's actually really nice. Uh, Night Terrors Two. There's a Matina mm-hmm. cover which is like a, a Wesley Dodds like hat and mask like in a pile of sand. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it looks good. It looks really good too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that may be my pick, even though I didn't like the issue very much. Uh, obviously, yeah, Federici's cover is good, and I like the ones you mentioned from Luther. But yeah, I, I think I'll go with that. I think I'll go with the uh, Matina variant for Night Terrors too. Uh, it's just a really haunting image of that gas mask. So mm-hmm. cool. Uh, all right. Um, art of the week. Yeah. So. I do like the art and action comics on both of them, but you can't beat Federici. Yeah, it's Federici. I, I was going to slap you if you said that, but I was to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I would love to be able to give it to action comics, but, man, Federici, some of those, it's just the tone of it, the, you know, the hello, the panels break down, his style, it's just, it's perfect for a Nightmare-style book. Yeah, all right. Obviously, my pick's Federici, if that wasn't obvious from what I said. Yeah. Uh, so, rank the five books, Matt. All right, number one, Last Days of Lex Luthor. Two, Night Terrors Detective Comics. Three, Night Terrors Action Comics. Four, Night Terrors Titans. And five, Night Terrors 2. Yeah, it's a little bit closer for me, but it's probably still number one, Superman, Last Days of Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Two, Night Terrors Detective Three Night Terrors action, four Night Terrors Titans. I guess it feels weird putting that above the main book, but honestly, the main mm-hmm. book pissed me off more. So yeah, yeah, number five Night Terrors two. So mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, rough, R- rough week for the Night Terrors. I mean, it was good. I mean, I, I suppose the best tie-in we've had was this week, but yeah, also and rough... I liked action, action for the most part. I mean. But we're, we're four was, weeks in, though, so like some of the ones that aren't mm-hmm. as good are really... You know, the main book and Titans were both really great yeah. and, to me. So I, I guess it's just that, like, accumulative, like, disdain mm-hmm. that you develop over the course of an event like this. But we got another month yet to go, so look forward to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy fun. Uh, but anyway, I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. Um, so we have some non-Night Terror stuff, which is nice. We have Justice Society issue 5. Uh, we have Adventures of Superman John Kent issue 6, so the final issue of that. So that's a couple of cool books to, to get on top of uh, the Night Terror stuff. Uh, we also have Night Terror's Batman issue 2, and I can't wait to see uh, how crazy that gets. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Night Terror's Joker issue 2, Night Terror's Poison Ivy issue 2, uh, Peacemaker Tries Hard 4, Night Terror's Ravager issue 2, City Boy issue 3, there's another one that uh, gives us mm-hmm. a break from the Night Terror stuff. Steelworks issue 3, Night Terror's Black Adam issue 2, which I will not be reading. That's the one that I will definitely not be looking at that mm-hmm. I read the issue 1 of, because it was nothing. And then yeah. the Sandman Universe, I almost said Night Terror, it's just a habit there. Uh, Sandman Universe special, uh, Thessaly issue 1, and then Scooby-Doo, where are you? 1, 2, 3. So... You know what? We got three non-Nate Terrors books. That's not yeah, bad. Yeah, looking good. And just the, the, the sheer... What's the word I'm looking at? Like, like when you look at a car crash, <laughs> you know, 
you, you know, it's a that for Batman for yeah, Nightmares. Yeah, yeah, we'll read yeah. Batman. You'll read Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll read Ravager probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that first issue of, of Ravager enough to go see or go see to pick up issue two. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But, well. Yeah. There you go, that is episode 367 of Comics from the Multiverse. Hopefully mm-hmm. we said something amusing or insightful or... Uh, I don't know, we passed the time. Like Your, your hours have went by mm-hmm. and the pain is only slightly noticeable. Pain is only temporary. Anyway, that is the show. Uh, thank you very much. You can support the content and the podcast, of course, by going to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us for any amount per month. It does help out a lot. Uh, we get the show a little bit early if you are $5 or more on Patreon. Um, whenever it's ready and out the oven, uh, late on a Saturday is when it goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the show. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast and feel free to let us know what you think of Night Terrors so far. But that is everything. And you can check out the Discord if you there's there's, a, there's links in the mm-hmm. description for all this stuff. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.